Listen up, you fuckers, you screwheads. Here is a man who would not take it anymore, who would not... I'm going to turn the fucking whole superhero idea on its head and show you that this is how you make a serious comic book movie. If you're like a fan of comics, but by way of the movies, this is perfect, I think, you know, while also being more. Oh, shit. It looks like I can touch you. It's like you're right here with me. Oh. What, uh, why the 3D glasses? Why not the 3D glasses? <laughs> yes. If you, you want to live, I mean, if come you on. Live. If you want to, no, that, that, I'm not going to stop there. I mean, there's more, so much more to that. Uh, <clears throat> no. You already live in 3D, right? Right. <laughs> so if you just put on 3D glasses and just look at the world, 3D world you already live in, I haven't figured out if it's 6D or 9D. Like, is it just like doubled or oh, is it multiplied cubed. by itself? Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll have to try so. it and let you know. Yeah. Uh, it's uh Man, it's like you're right here, right in front of me. A little, <laughs> little micro version of you. I could just like set on my shoulder <laughs> for some reason. I'm just like, dance. Yeah. like I'm doing a little dance as I as yeah. micro versions of people in movies do yeah. for some reason. Not <laughs> sure <laughs> why that is. I don't know. Oh, doing my Pennywise dance though. Oh, that'd be fucked up. Oh man, <laughs> the way they stabilize on his head so the rest of the frame is oh. what moves. Like yeah. that's so fucking crazy yes indeed oh man and i think the nsa just tapped in oh how's it going Stuart? <laughs> <laughs> you definitely that's have my, a steward I, I feel i get that vibe that's my nsa agent so <laughs> hello long walkers and welcome to long walk short drink episode 78 this is palmer podcasting to you not live you can't be if you're hearing my voice, but I'm so glad you do. Uh, from Dayton, Ohio. This is Dave podcasting at you from Northfield, Minnesota. I was just thinking like you're podcasting in 3D or 9D. No, 9D, 9D. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm already in 3D and then you put 3D glasses on. Uh, 9D. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> I like that it's squared and not multi, just yeah. doubled. It's like, oh, uh, we are in the 9 dimension whoa yeah where did you come by those glasses so um i ordered some pinball parts shout out to pinballlife.com and uh they sent me when i got my order these were usually i don't know what it is or where the like if this is a pinball thing or if it's just like a um like a self-made merchant thing. Cause it's a lot of independent merchants that do st- or small, small time organizations that do that keep this, this hobby alive. 
And so typically when you order stuff, there will be like little goodies in the order, like candies or like little extras. And so like these were in my last order, but I was like, oh, cool. They just tucked in like 3D glasses. No, there was a flyer with it that said, if you see this logo on our website, click it and view our page in 3D. And so like, oh, really? They have pro like it's uh, it's kitsch, but man, is it my kind of kitsch? I like it. Oh, cool! So and it totally works. Yeah, it totally works. So <laughs> that's great. Uh, you can go to their website and like look at, at certain products in the photos. You know how like it has usually like a film strip mm -hmm. of like the different views or like like angles that you can view that product. One of them is a picture of 3D glasses, and it says view in 3D, and you click it, and it gives you a 3D image that oh, works with these great. glasses. So it's awesome. I like it. <laughs> well, it's enriching my experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. It well, like I. Uh, 50s drive in or something. Oh, yeah. No, I can dig it. How's that? Some 50s lingo. <laughs> Perfect. Like right off the cuff. Uh, Daddy O. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> a perfect place for a Elvis man. <laughs> That's right. That's not the Are exact you an Elvis line, man? Oh man, that's a tough one. I think I'm Beatles all the way. You know. Yeah, me too. At least if I, I mean, at least in terms of being an actual fan of the music, and I guess if yeah. that makes me more group oriented somehow, then I'll take it. <laughs> I'd like to be perhaps yeah <laughs> group oriented than I am. <laughs> I never even had that association. I oh. always thought like um, old school versus like almost like hippies you know like mm. like you like uh an elvis man would be like have like old school ideals you know um very traditional ideals and then uh you know the if you're a beatles person like you're more loosey-goosey and like you know Lucy the in the drill. sky with diamonds. Yeah, that <laughs> kind well. of stuff. Yeah. That's amazing. I never thought about it like that. I mean, for anyone yeah. who didn't like pick up on it instantly, there's a gosh, I guess that's a deleted scene from Pulp Fiction, isn't it? No. Or, oh no, she says so the reference is yes, when she asks him the question, that is a deleted scene. But it's in the theatrical cut of the movie, is when they pull in Jackrabbit Slims. She's like, uh, Oh, perfect an place Elvis for an man. Elvis man. Per, yes. Yeah, per, like okay. an, a perfect place for an Elvis man or some. Yeah. There's a reference to that question in the theatrical cut that doesn't have any. That's right. I forgot about that. Point of reference, unless you know that deleted scene. Yeah, so, which that was like on the VHS that came out for uh, sell through for Pulp Fiction. There's a scene where Mia comes down with a video camera, so you don't see her face right away. Uh, yeah, and I guess in the in the finished movie, you only actually see her feet before they cut to Jack Rabbit Slims, and they both come up in that two shot. But yeah, she gives Vincent this like questionnaire. I can't remember all of the questions. Partridge Family might have been one of them. That kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and uh, she's like, "Are you a Beatles man or an Elvis man?" And he's like, well, "What does that matter?" And he's like, "She's like, well, there's only two kinds of people in the world, and which one you are, which one you choose, determines like who you are." <laughs> so for some, and she's like, "You're obviously an Elvis man." And for for me, I guess I always assumed it had to do with him dressing like he does. He, you know, he, and, and he's a hitman, so he's like, "Yeah." I guess I might have like also conflated it with the thing from Gross Point Blank where yeah. John Cusack is the hitman and he's talking about it's like I like the lifestyle look at the way I dress <laughs> you know <laughs> he dresses in all black and stuff. well that's what I mean he's like in all black in a suit and a tie 
And like he that I always think back to that conversation that he's having with Eric Stoltz when he t- is talking about his his you know you know what some fucker did to it what <laughs> fucking keyed it oh. and like and but that conversation ends with you don't mess with another man and they end it together yeah. they say it together yeah. another man's vehicle you it's just don't do rules. it <laughs> it's against the rules and like it's this old school ideal uh, granted it's like a you know a criminal ideal but it's like yeah. uh i'll be but it's this like you know it, it, it's not modern at all he's an, an elvis man yeah he's the quintessential elvis man you know i like and, that yeah. Well, so. it reminds me too of his brother. His brother, who's um, so in Reservoir Dogs, um, Michael Madsen's character is a Vega too, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's definitely like, I don't know. They have that joke too, where he's like yelling at the other guy, and then it's actually Michael Madsen that says it though. He's like, "I bet you're a big Lee Marvin fan," and <laughs> he's like, "I don't know." There's something to me about this ideology of the. Of the, I don't know, like the, the that sort of strong, silent, loner, you know, rugged individual. Right. Uh, like now I'm thinking of. I love this loner. <laughs> you know? I love this like loner idea, though. That's, yeah. I mean, that, like, be, you know, because like Elvis is one man and the Beatles is a group. That's how I guess I'd always thought about yeah, it. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I can totally see that. <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. Man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Man, I'm well, totally rethinking like, uh, <laughs> and that's like I'm rethinking a whole movie just on one fucking deleted scene <laughs> and wild? like yeah. a, a random reference in the movie. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was fun. Well, how have you been? How uh, how's your how's your Papa regular Papa tracked you know pinball scores going? Um, we I don't know if we went. Uh, we got divided into divisions, um, and I was in the I'm in division D, <laughs> so that's not that good. But I am in the top bracket of that division, so Sweet. I'm in the top three of that division, which is nice. So next week is attorney, so oh. I'm assuming we will play against each other as a division, and then that will let us decide if we go on to the play with other people, you know, in other divisions. So I don't know. We'll see. It, it's been really fun so far. Uh, yeah, it's been really fun so far. That's awesome. I, I like playing pinball. So yeah. that, that's been really good. Yeah, and, and you get to do it with other been, people in this structured way. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. So it's very nice. And the woman who organizes it works her tail off and, I would not want her job at all. And uh, yeah, she does a fantastic job of putting it all together. She really feels like underappreciated, but um, she expresses that that much. (laughs) Yeah. A lot (laughs) of how underappreciated she feels. Uh, But uh, she does work her tail off. And I do, I know I personally appreciate it. I know, all the people I deal have have played with really appreciate everything that she does. And it's really just great to be with a group of people with something that otherwise you would not, you would feel very isolated, like a very Elvis man about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, <I> <laughs> but I'm in this league, which uh, 
turns me into a Beatles man for one night a week. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, so. I'm going to be rethinking that whole thing too. I, <laughs> I thought about it. Yeah. And that basically a solo artist or, or are you a solo artist or in a band? Well, Elvis I mean, it's kind he, of the ultimate it, solo artist. Yeah. But he did have Samuel L. Jackson was like, uh, what was his Marcellus Wallace, right? Still had him. Oh, uh, same oh, no, character, not Jules Mar- Winfield. Yeah, Jules Winfield. <laughs> Jesus, Marcellus That's Wallace right. was the boss. Yeah, man. Oh goodness. Well, crap. We didn't sit here. We didn't come in. Now we we finally worked in another ninety four. Oh right. uh, yes, like, which yeah. was good at least for that little bit of conversation. Uh, but we uh really came here to talk about a few things one of which is joker yeah um, yeah i don't know if we want to just jump into that and dissect that sure since that's yeah. that'll probably work its way into the title and you know how we have a bad habit <laughs> yeah, of waiting all the way waiting <laughs> like three hours before we start talking about the thing that's that we right. meant to talk about so yeah um i went and saw it for a second time and oh uh, really wow yeah and ended up convincing a co-worker uh, another trainee to come uh with me and so nice uh we <laughs> yeah man and he just like me like we actually went and saw it the morning uh in the morning and then had league like that evening and he was like he's when i got the league he's like i had to go take a walk after seeing that movie like it it really like it impacted me and yeah i'm like yeah me i, I totally get it man like it took me a good 48 hours to really feel like i was coming out of that like funk from it uh so he said he was really excited he said like i wish He's like, this is a huge bummer that you guys can't go live anymore because I would totally tune in tonight and watch this. <laughs> uh, so he's like, you got to make sure you let me know when this goes live. So oh, I'll be true. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I will make sure I do that. Um, but he will for sure be listening to this. Uh, to uh, Hear our conversation about it. So I've really been... I've really going into the movie this is my like preface so i had grand aspirations i wanted to watch like taxi driver and i made it about uh you know two-thirds of the way through the killing joke again uh just because i wanted to try to get some base comparisons and um but i'll just give this disclaimer that i Going up into the movie, I very I, I didn't really seek out a lot of things. I I listened, I read more of I read Warner Brothers response to all of the protests people were giving up to the week of it coming out about them idolizing a, a villain. Mm. And then Warner Brothers gave an official statement and I read that, which it essentially said we're not celebrating this character. It's a portrait of a person with men- a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I think that it was so accurate. Uh, it was very on point. 
But I also now, after the fact, I've intentionally haven't gone out like I normally would and watch like a bunch of reviews and um, dissections and Easter egg videos to like see all the little references and nods that they do. I really, it's weird. I've really wanted this to be my own reflection and thoughts. So that's that's what I want to try to give about it. Uh, here I didn't want to just start I didn't want to regurgitate stuff that I had read or saw so um, the little bit that I did I'm sure will work its way in but those are mostly like behind the scenes stories yeah um, that's so, great I'm I'm kind yeah. of I'm glad to hear that actually um, I had a similar experience in some ways of like wanting to I guess I often have that when I want to just kind of keep something contained like if i really love it i want to try to keep loving it you know because it's easy you know even for me who wants to love things to find fault and just be like oh okay that's us i guess that's that sucks or that's really offensive i can't like that now that kind of stuff so so i was just like i don't want to know i just wanted to kind of live in that world as fucked up as it is i was just like this is so great I want to, because like once upon a time in Hollywood, I loved, loved, loved until I read this stuff from Bruce Lee's daughter. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And now it's like, I still, I won't be able to enjoy it the same way again. And yeah. uh, I'm sure there's stuff like that for this movie or whatever. I don't know. But um, I did eventually, it's been about a week and a half or two weeks since I saw it, start to, I kind of just timidly clicked on an interview with Joaquin Phoenix. And I think I've heard two now, which, talk enough about the movie to give you a few behind the scenes things but didn't really i, I kind of just like i didn't even want to see him as an actor i just wanted to like just live in a yeah. fantasy world and of he looks so different on, on the press like on the interviews that he has done he's like regained all the weight since he shot this and everything so like yeah, yeah. and he's got his beard and his hair is shorter like he doesn't even look like the same person that is in the movie, which is really nice. Yeah, that um, contributes to it. I so I, I'll just get the little bit that I did out of the way was I read before it came out. I read this interview with Todd Phillips that where somebody asked about um, Joaquin Phoenix acting like a diva on the set, basically, and Todd Phillips was like, "Listen, like." He was trying to get into a place. It's hard. Making movies is hard. That was his response. And he's like, sometimes it get, it gets hard. And when I saw he would, when I would see he was struggling finding that place, we'd take a break. We'd let him walk. We'd let him wait until he was ready. And then we'd come in and do it. And so I read that. And then closer to getting out, there was this um, interview with him on Jimmy Kimmel where they like sprung this like clip have, did you see this? No, I, that was one of the ones that I like. I would see on YouTube, but then haven't clicked. Oh, well, in hindsight, I'll just lead with the punchline. Ash read over the weekend that that was all staged. Like, Joaquin Phoenix actually did know that that clip, like, him and Todd Phillips planned this whole thing to, like, oh. pretend like he didn't know. And, um, but, and, and to kind of, like, it was like a running gag, I think, with instead of him actually acting that way. Like, because he mm. says, like, he, it, I hope that's true because he says some funny shit in that clip. Like, because he, the, the background was that he had a feud going with the cinematographer 
oh. for, for talking on set. Just like the Christian Bale thing from yeah, the old Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that the guy, the cinematographer started calling him Cher, which then the rest of the crew behind his back started calling him Cher because he was a diva. And so in this clip, he's like, it's where he's applying his makeup, like at his mom's like armoire, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to get tank in the background. Tank, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he just like stops. And he, he, I think he might be writing in his diary too, maybe in, in his joke book. And he like, he's like, you know, I know that was you that started that share that diva thing. Cause I'm a diva. <laughs> you know what? That's not even an insult. She's a, She's a Grammy winning fashion icon. Like, how is that even in any like gets that frustrated and like <laughs> jumps up, right? So Jimmy Kimmel like springs this clip on him while they're interviewing him. And when it cuts to him, he looks he's such a good fucking actor. <laughs> like, he looks mortified. He's like, I had no idea. I am so embarrassed right now. I <laughs> uh, and so. And he like and and that makes that all funny now too. If it, I hope the fuck that is all fake. Like, <laughs> That's so fun. Because uh, if it's all staged, like that makes all of that so much better for me. Because it's so I can laugh about it then, and it makes it so much funnier. I I'm not gonna look it up. I'll look it up under break. But well, I was um, thinking too. Um, so you saw that before you saw the movie. No, no, no. That was after the first time I saw the oh, movie. Oh, okay. I was because yeah. I was going to suggest maybe we watch the. I think it's the final trailer because I'm guessing that has more dialogue. Just to refresh my memory, since I haven't seen it for a minute and sure. set the tone. Uh, sure. I, I did put a link to that in the. Okay, let me find. And uh, here I can hit you with the uh, spreadsheet. Show messages. Yeah. And it's uh, looks like it's top up. The first one up there. Yep. Uh, and did you do you have anything uh, other than water to drink that you want to open? I have a beer. Yeah. Maybe yeah, we'll do you that. Open a beer. Uh, maybe let's open a beer and watch watch some TV. <laughs> we can narrate oh, some. Okay. I can, I'm not sure if they're if there's yeah too they much. won't be able to hear it. We'll get to hear it though. Yeah. We'll just count. We'll do a countdown and they can start it on at home on their own yeah. and listen to our. It'll be like um, I don't want to say it because we might get sued. <laughs> It'll be like some old science fiction television show. Oh, yeah. Set in the future. Yeah. I think I, I think I include the audio. Uh, it, it's the video, I think, that would really always got us in trouble. Yeah. Well, one time got us in trouble with the live stream. So I'm, I'm drinking uh, Sega Talk. It's a blueberry lemonade shandy. Uh, this is that same brewery that makes that Neapolitan beer that I had on oh, before. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sweet. <laughs> I so. just have some, I have a Miller Lite. <laughs> All right. What is it's this? Miller time. Yes, that's right. You know what I say All when it's right. Miller time. Sorry. Little Jack Burton for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> On three. And three. Ooh, yes. Cheers. Holding true. That's what, that's what there's a billboard I saw for Miller Lite that says hold true or something like that. And I, I think it's in regard to like keep drinking this, even though Budweiser's campaign is how they're the only ones without high fructose corn syrup in their beer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's man. That's how I read it. 
And so I tried. That's hilarious. I tried a Bud Light at the one of the Billions of Twins games I went to, but and it was fine. I liked it well enough, but I do have a fondness for some reason for the Miller Light. I think Miller Light of all the light beers has the most flavor. Yeah, like, I did a blind taste test once and picked it out of a handful of them. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I I mean Bud Light is so thin and just. Just doesn't have a lot going for it. It's as thin as Joaquin Phoenix in, in Joker. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Well, they lost Jeez, fifty pounds, like, I guess, is what they said. Yeah, he's so thin. His ribs are so gross in that. And yeah, you don't. All you do is see him smoke. You don't see him consume anything I thought, else. I was thinking about that. Yeah, you never see him eat. His mom asked him to eat that one time, and yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So we got the trailer. Yeah. Want to just and we could talk through it. Yeah, you know, over it at times. Um, uh, yeah, let's go on point. on three and three. Oh, it's showing him on the bus here, where he's kind of yeah. making faces of a little kid, making the kid on laugh. The bus <laughs> and uh, I is what la- laughing with the kid. Yeah, and the <laughs> woman is talking to him. Oh, and that laugh when he stops laughing—that's one of the most unsettling parts in that whole movie. How he just cuts that laugh off like that, even after you know it's a condition. Yeah, which I—I had no idea. Yeah, I guess we'll get into that. Having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. My job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. It's so awful, isn't it? For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed, but I do. And people are starting to notice. You think this is funny? Is this a joke to you? Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? gonna talk i know and then we just get mesmerized by it and don't oh yeah Yeah, so obviously from this point forward we're gonna spoil the shit out of this movie which uh if you think you want to see you should definitely see fuck out of it i mean really um nothing no I, I I don't plan on leaving any stone unturned. Yeah, no, I, I I think this, you know, even though it's a contemporary movie, still in theaters when this will come out. Um, yeah, I would say listen to this once you've seen it. 
<laughs> yeah. And let and, us know what you think. I mean, I'd be curious to know firsthand what, what your friend that you saw thinks. Uh, you can absolutely get at us on Twitter at LWSDpod or at or LWSDpod at gmail.com if you want to write in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or comment on the, the YouTube. And let is, us know if we're allowed to read it on air or not. We'd love oh, to. Yeah. We're going to default to yes just because we don't get a lot. Yeah, we will default to yes. I don't even know why I said that. It's a, no, it's, it's a wise uh, distinction. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, More thoughtful. I'm just like greedy of like. <laughs> yeah. You know me. I like I like plausible deniability. So. <laughs> Make sure you give us a nickname. Oh, yeah. Anyways. That'd be good. Or first names. Uh, or so, um, I really am finding it difficult to decide how much of that movie actually how much of that story actually happened and how much of it is a fantasy in his head oh yeah oh especially on the second viewing that must come out yeah 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 uh i I think that them show intentionally showing it the like exposing that with the neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that is uh, a, at first I was like, oh, that's a red herring. But I think it's actually just to let you know, not all of this actually is real. Yeah. That you don't no. necessarily as an audience member. Now you don't know what you can believe. Right. Right. Or should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that the dancing, I, I think the dancing is the key. That's what lets you know either when you're entering into a fantasy or you came out of a fantasy. Oh, because it's always usually he there. There's usually it's a coping mechanism that he uses. Yeah. When stuff gets too stressful for him, right? Like he, he breaks to that dancing. And the and and it's introduced at first as like a shtick that he does where he's dancing with the gun mm-hmm. after he gets it and he's like, "What's your name, Arthur? You're a really good dancer, Arthur. I know. You know, <laughs> like he does that and he yeah. does, it's a little Buffalo Bill. I'm waiting for him to be oh, like, oh yeah, fuck me, I'd fuck me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but uh, th- so he dances always either preceding uh, or right after. I, that's that's what I don't. I think it's letting you know that what what you're going to see after it's a little bit of a fantasy. But mm. the thing that throws it off. So I'm really confident. You know, in the in the shot right after he, um, right after the talk show at the towards the end, when he is driving through the riot in the cop car, mm-hmm. and then he gets like t-boned by the ambulance, and then like kind of carried out by the clowns Mm -hmm. and then he like dances on the hood for everybody like the whole the whole like um riot stops to come admire him dance yeah yeah it's almost like a deification or something yeah i don't think any i i'm really confident none of that happened oh like i think he's in the cop car is real and i think he drives through the riots like the he did in the cop car and he sees all the riots happening and he injects himself like he makes himself 
the cause of the riots. Like, oh, even to the to the extent that like nobody's wearing those masks and stuff. But no, I think maybe think people are wearing those masks, but I think he might have just like latched on to that. Like he didn't actually. Oh, instead of you know what I mean? Like, it. yeah. So the, another good clue that I found was like, within especially in my second watching. So like Thomas Wayne, when they're when he's watching the interview with Thomas Wayne on the television, mm-hmm. Thomas Wayne gives this quote about how the wealthy view the 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 poor as clowns or something like that. Like yeah, if they, yeah. And he's not, he doesn't call the people clowns, but later on in the movie, you hear them say like the reason that they are using this clown mask as their symbol is because Thomas Wayne called the poor people of Gotham clowns. Mm -hmm. And that's not what he said. He didn't like say that at all. And I think that that's like that change in that perspective is his interpretation like it's in his fantasy world like there that's how he interpreted what thomas wayne said and uh, so you know what i mean like i i don't know i think that uh yeah i think it's really hard uh, everything is questionable to me in that movie like what actually happened and what is a fantasy that's very interesting i hadn't thought of that um at all, actually. So that's a whole new idea. And the dancing thing makes a lot of sense from the few times I can track back and remember the moments when it occurred. What if, um, just for, because there may be, I, it's not a horror movie, but it is a horrific movie. So yes. I can imagine there might be people that listen, like your double Ds or whatever, that maybe don't, are not up for this. And, and that being the case, maybe we can kind of synopsize as we go, as a way of moving through it to talk about things. Um, okay. Yeah. So just remembering back. So it like starts with the. How does it start? Like you. Well, you see this guy Arthur Fleck, who's the Joker character, who's uh, who's a. I don't know how old would you say he is. I ageless. Yeah. Like, he's like a Tommy Wiseau. Like right, because he. I was. He's not supposed to be necessarily young. His mother is quite old in terms of like, yeah. uh, the actress who plays her at least. Um. He doesn't have like gray hair necessarily, but he's got some gray, and at least by the end when you see him in the asylum. But uh, yeah, so he's he's uh, an aspiring comedian who um, gets work as uh, in a clown makeup, basically trying to draw attention to businesses in what seems to me to be the late seventies, early eighties. There was something that gave it a that I think must have been an intentional. So there's a movie poster for the movie Wolfen, which I had heard but never seen. I actually incidentally watched it like the day before yesterday. <laughs> um, oh, nice. But I looked it up because I, you know, just like in It where they have like, what is it? Friday the 13th, thir- three, or sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street, three on the marquee or something like that. There's like, you can tell when it's set based on stuff like that. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I spied that poster on the wall. And so I was like, okay, what year did that come out? Because like I'd like to know when this was set. And so I think it's meant to be set around like 1981. Well, and they even when the Waynes come running out of the movie theater. Yeah. Oh, geez. I it says like sec. blowout and um Zorro the gay blade and they, are playing in the theater. Yeah. So you you could do it right from that. Like I knew the Zorro thing was a direct reference to like the original, you know, but if uh, those are 
movie theater. That, like, yeah, opened. Zorro the Gay Blade. Nineteen eighty one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I, I and I think Blade. Todd Phillips is not. They're not shying away from that. Like no, I think no, he, yeah. They, it just kind of like in the I same mean, way he's ageless. They're not super careful to delineate. They don't go on like a have a title screen that says like nineteen eighty one. Oh Gotham. yeah, no. But I do like the title screens that they have in this movie. Like when, oh yeah, it, when they put the Joker that and it fills the whole. Yes. It looks like the whole frame, the word Joker. Yeah. And uh, because that's that's how it opens. It opens on him like sitting in front of his mirror at work. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like on his makeup. And, oh God. Yeah. And he's not saying anything, and you you just hear all the exposition is happening through the radio that's on in this like you know this room you've probably been in a room similar to this it's like the staging area for before you go to work right there's like a communal table and the time clock and some lockers and his makeup area um other people in different stages of either becoming or becoming a clown or becoming a human again mm -hmm. um so you find out this is some working environment with four clowns and he is just trying to smile. He's trying to like make himself smile and not saying anything and ends up sticking his fingers in his mouth and like pulling so hard, like a tear like runs down yeah. from his right eye. Like, Oh, it's so unsettling. I mean, the movie as a whole is very unsettling and disturbing, yeah. but like that's a key, a clue right there. Like just yeah. watching him do that. You, you you can kind of see in the trailers online. It's it's an, is that where we get the first time that he presents that he's laughing and presents the card to someone? I'm trying to remember when he does that. It's like uh, this. That's, that's with the mother and the son. Oh, on the bus. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because like he she confronts him and he bursts out laughing and she's like, And that's funny to you? And he shakes right. his head. Yeah. And pulls out that card. And 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 it's it this is another thing that I don't know if that's real or not. Because they they even bring that into question. Uh the when the detectives confront oh, him, they're yeah. like, Hey, that laugh your boss gave us one of your cards, that laughing thing. Is that real? Or is that just part of your act? Yeah. And all he says is, what do you think? And oh. then the door, like, because yeah. it's an exit only. <laughs> I love that. Uh, this is a, a new idea to me, the whole idea that, that so much of it could have been in his head. And it reminds me yeah. of that thing about the killing joke where, because this is an origin story for the Joker that could fit into the canon, you know? Um, yeah. But, you know, there is no definitive origin story for the Joker. And Killing Joke is pretty close, that comic book from 1988. But also in that one, he sort of says or alludes to things like, I remember it one way sometimes and another way. So I yeah. like that idea that... Changes. Yeah. And that was part of the... One of the things that I really had a problem that internally I was struggling with with this movie. As much as I... As excited as I was and like, that I remember that there was a photo leaked, quote unquote leaked, of like test makeup of him as the Joker, and thinking how like plain it looked. It wasn't. Yeah, the I thought that too. I thought maybe you know? it was not even real. That photograph, yeah. like it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just thinking like, gosh, it's so plain. Like, 
I need to know more. Like I'm intrigued by this, but then I was like, you know, it really is going to, it's going to be hard to deny a good, especially a good movie about the Joker that that's not actually his origin story. You know, like his, it, it, it it's, you don't want it locked into stone, you know, and, you know, there would be plenty of people to be like, nope, in the movie, this is what happened. And that's how he became the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. So I think part of me, that's part of why I haven't gone out and sought out like what other people are saying about the movie, because I don't, I don't want something to like, like solidify itself in my head. I want to embrace that. Everything is questionable. Yeah. Because it keeps it in that, that this, it could be this way. It could not be this way. Like, we still don't know how the how the Joker got made, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's even it's even debatable. I I love so. Uh, all right, we're synopsizing. That's okay. You can come in and out. It doesn't have to be every beat. I was just thinking, like to to as a it, way to talk about different things. Is from his perspective. That's that's yeah. the other thing that you that's very crucial to remember. And and they do a great job of one way for me that that is that strikes home is that Thomas Wayne, who has always been portrayed from the pedestal that Bruce Wayne keeps him on, right is portrayed if, if I don't want to call him swarmy, but if anything, he is totally human in this movie. Like he, yeah, very flawed. Like he seems kind of, uh, yes, yeah. he, he seems like an asshole. Like basically yeah, like a little <laughs> bit like an asshole and a little elitist. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he can come in and say, he's the one that's going to come save the city. Like, mm-hmm. I love that that, you know, when this story has been told in the past, like that's that's the light shining down on Thomas Wayne is like he's the one that saved Gotham. Yeah, he's and like I, this philanthropist and using yeah. money for good and, and this not a politician like, for sure. And this is like this rich motherfucker thinks he's the one that that Gotham needs. Like, who is he to think he's the one that can come in and save Gotham? You know, um. So I, I, that to me just helps solidify like you're seeing this through his eyes. Like the, the movie is, is, is through his eyes. That's yeah. Yeah. Just because we're seeing Thomas Wayne in this different light. I, I mean, it's so telling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I heard, um, I heard very little about the movie going in other than like people on some of the podcasts I listened to were in it. So like Mark Maron is in it. Brian Callen from the fire. The kid is in it. Which, if you don't, if you wouldn't wreck, he's barely in it <laughs> anyway. But uh, um, what did I bring that? Oh, so Marin talked about he got to have the, he because Marin is notoriously critical of all superhero movies as a like a thing. Uh, he can be kind of biting about it, and uh, and then he ended up in one, <laughs> and so he had to kind of yeah. you know speak to that. And he's like, "Look, I got a chance to act with Robert De Niro. I got to do walk and talk with Robert De Niro. What am I supposed to say? No." <laughs> But so the right. walk and talk he does, he or he, he filmed with Robert De Niro is not in the movie. So Todd Phillips had to tell him at some point, like, that I took this out. He's like, that's actually the only scene I took out. And the reason I did is, is it's the only one that uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character is not in. And it broke that spell that was important oh, to keep. See? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> which I've heard that kind of thing before. And actually, one of the things that's most striking to me about the movie going in, I, I don't know why. 
I don't know what I was expecting. I was trying to like not know much, not see much, but like it just reminded me of so many things. I think it's really supposed to. Like it reminded me though, and I think I texted it to you right after. I was like, this is like Joker, Taxi Driver Joker, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Like Taxi Driver. I meant to look what year that came out. I want to say seventy eight, but it's one. Of, that's one of my I favorite. Say seventy seven or seventy eight. Yeah. Oh, now I gotta know. <laughs> if only we Here, had a supercomputer. <laughs> but like, so that was a movie that I saw as a teenager and fell in love with, and is is a very like exciting. It's just like we're both off seventy six. Seventy six. Okay. Uh, but it, I don't know. It's a, it's about that's this movie about this this loner who gets like he's so isolated that it starts to become a real problem. <laughs> And uh, there's lines in it where he's like in a giant city in New York City. Yeah, he gets like, lost and kind of consumed by the the griminess of that time and uh, and the sort of the dirtiness of the city. And so he starts to like hate it and want to eradicate it. And he wants also to be somehow special. And he wants to he wants to he asks out the pretty girl, but she doesn't want to go on a date with him. And eventually, he just kind of keeps getting pushed to the side, pushed aside so much and he wants to matter. He wants to like not be invisible basically and yep. to the point where he ends up like trying to assassinate a politician and he just loses his mind and kills a bunch of people. <laughs> but it it Which felt like then, that so like, much. To struggle with because he becomes a hero. Like that, like Wait, right? Like saying Travis Bickle becomes a hero? Yeah, because he he's going to kill the politician and chickens out at the last second, right? Mm. And yeah, goes straight yeah. from there to the pimp. Yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> it kills the pimp. Yeah. Which ultimately, when the cops show up, oh, that's they, right. There's that letter. Like, it ends on this letter from Jody, like, yeah. Jody Foster's character's mom, like, thanking him I for freeing her. Yeah. And, like, defend, like, so he gets this, the notoriety he wants. Unbeknownst to everyone, because he chickened out from committing this heinous thing that he would have gained the same level of notoriety for. Yeah. And so everybody thinks he had this because you can see in his face. That's what I, okay, I only saw one time. That's what I seem to remember more than I have. No, like at the end, though, like, because they're. You're hearing the narration of that letter. If I think that that if I think that this is how that last yeah, shot yeah. goes, so you're hearing the narration from the letter as it like slowly zooms in on his face, and she's just like praising his accolades, mm-hmm. and you can just tell that like this is one example of all of that notor- the same thing exactly what you were saying that he was striving for. He got it. But now he doesn't like it because he knows he only did that because he chicken shitted out on his original plan. And like he was going to do, he was just on the verge of doing something terrible. And he really only did this for those at the last second. He realized, oh, if I do this, I might be able, like, I can get all of this thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that either. That's so interesting. I'm trying to remember if it's Sybil Shepherd that gets in his car at the end, Betsy, the the girl that he's like, you know, in love with. That they do go on a date, and she just doesn't. She just rejects him, basically. Like he tries to yeah. take her to a porno, and anyway. But uh, so, but there's stuff in that movie where it's like it's so. I I, I studied it as a kid. I was so just like. I don't know how I keep thinking of this phrase like muscular cinema. It's just like you know you're watching a movie. It's such a f- 
just like a fucking yeah. movie, you know? It's yeah. like not like real life. It's really stylized and it's just somehow exciting to uh, be taken on that ride in this way, in this kind of character of a film. And so I was really excited about that seeing it as a kid, but I w- also was a little bit like, I think loners, <laughs> people with that kind of tendency or that are stuck Elvis in a rut people. of isol- Elvis people. <laughs> Elvis people, if not kept in check, or can like, kind of develop antisocial tendencies and certainly like wallow in self-pity to a problematic sure. extent. And there's stuff uh, in that movie where he's like getting... I will be the first one to say that is exactly what happens. That I mean that I, Joker? I went through that. Like Oh, just in life, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I uh, was and it's it, that's so taxi driver can be a great comfort <laughs> to people. Yeah. The, and I'm not sure that that's what they're going for. I mean, it was written by Paul Schrader when he was like living in his car and not doing great. And um, anyway, but so there's, there's lines in that movie. I also remember too seeing, uh, you don't uh, walk away from taxi driver feeling good though. No, no, you know what I mean? from Joker. Like, like you walk away. It, from absolutely not. Like, I told Ash, she went with me the, the first time I saw it. And, um, the day before we were going to see it, I was like, "I'm just letting you know, babe. Like, you're we're not going to walk out of there feeling great. Actually, we're probably going to walk out of there really not liking pieces of ourselves, either because we see them in the main, we see ourselves in the main character, or we see ourselves in the rest of society that ignores that main character that causes all of this bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, uh, I, I that last. Um, that last monologue that he gives on the talk show on the talk show yeah. is just like it's the, the it's like this release of that the whole movie has been building up to like you know this like pressure valve mm-hmm. and uh, oh you finally want like he finally is standing up for himself and for all the wrong reasons <laughs> and uh you don't feel good about it at all. Like, no, yeah, not at all. (laughs) And it's weird, like talking about taxi driver and how similar it felt. You don't, when you're watching taxi driver, you don't feel bad as a member of society. You know, like you do kind of in Joker, there's this indictment of like, this is what happens when you ignore people uh, or you're cruel to them. And that line, one line when he's, when he does, Oh, I, was, I was trying to get like, I don't know, because it, it is rather simple. So like basically like Arthur lives with his mother. She's He's way too old to be living with his mother, kind of taking care of his mother. Um, he he gets beat up as he's doing his little clown job. He works draw. as a clown. Yeah, he, like draw he, attention he, to stores. Yeah, like a clown service that for whatever reason you would rent a clown for. Like <laughs> yeah. one job he's spinning signs oh, yeah, in front of yeah. a going out of business store. And then the, another time he's like dancing at a children's hospital. Yeah. So like those kind of gigs that, but th- this place that he works for specializes in clowns yeah. and uh, he's kind of an outcast as one would expect somebody who works as a, you know, for such a service might be. Yeah. Uh, and has this bizarre condition where he laughs when he shouldn't. Uh, which we find out via exposition, which is yeah. are debatable on whether or not is it, actual condition or something that he uses to justify this tick that he has. Because he wasn't an institutional care too, right? That's alluded to or said it outright. I think all of this movie is taking place while he's in that 
that, that occurred first to me. Time that yeah. He is institutionalized. Like he's building this story to either cope with what ha actually happened or to inject himself. It, I think like he might be hearing about this, all of this stuff you're hearing. He's just hearing via like the staff or like the radio or like the radio that's playing in, in the waiting room of, or in the multi-purpose room, common room of the asylum, you know, like if you substitute that work room environment where he's hearing the radio and he's just zoning out on himself. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to change that location to a common room inside an asylum that we've seen used in movies multiple times that could, the, those could be very similar locations, yeah, right? Yeah. But he's painting this picture of him. Uh, like he's swathing it, you mm -hmm. know, like this is, Oh, this is just a place that I'm at. And I were, am, am a clown because Thomas Wayne says we're clowns. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Oh, there's this great, there's this other thing I've seen that uses this like that actually spells all of this out at a certain point i don't want to tell you because it's among the things I've, i think you would like so i'm not going to say what it is but um it's much more explicit about like oh when you were seeing this it actually was this and it all comes together at the end um, uh, wait this what, is much more is ambiguous because it it'll be easily easy to connect yeah, well, you'll it'll give away at the beginning. You're like, oh, this is that thing David told me about, and now it's ruined. I don't have to see the rest of it because it's a good thing you should watch. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, it, but but it's it it actually has to do with like literally being in the it's it's as though the whole movie took place at the in that social worker scene at the end of Joker, and when like it's oh. that moment where he's like, she's like, what are you thinking? It's like ah. Uh, you wouldn't understand or something like it. And it's as though in that moment, he dreamed up all the rest of what we just saw. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. That's what I exactly yes. what I think happened. Yeah. This, that, that does kind of get that exact thing kind of happens in this other movie about an insane asylum. So okay. it's not actually a movie, but anyway, <laughs> sorry I didn't mean to, for that to be such a divergent thing, but oh man, that, yeah. that, I, I'm never going to know what it is <laughs> now. I think you'll watch this thing eventually. Um, like I'll just stumble upon it. No, I mean it's I'll, it's like a cultural thing. A lot of people say like you should watch this, <laughs> and I mean I'll tell you if you want. <laughs> it's one flew over the cuckoo's nest. No, it's actually a season of a television show, a particular season. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay, all right, yeah, that's fine. I, I think maybe all that's right. yeah. Hopefully by the time if you ever do see it, you won't. It's actually my least favorite season of said television show, but but it's this it's exactly that. So at a certain point it goes back through and it's like, oh you like you realize it's kind of like they do in the Joker in and that one point where you go back through all the scenes with the neighbor that he flirted with and had a romance with yeah. and realize like, oh, that didn't actually happen. Like that was your window in, but they kind of do that with everything. Yeah. Uh Anyway, that that never occurred to me though. What you were suggesting, like maybe in that moment, like it's all taking place at the end, maybe that did occur to me slightly, even in the theater. But again, like I just kind of wanted it. It's so fucked up for me to say, like I wanted it all to be true. <laughs> I was just like so in for it, and so yeah, no, enamored I mean, of it. Listen, it's a oh, it sat with me for forty eight hours. I mean, I felt I was in the dumps. Just thinking about this thing yeah. for that long, like a bad you know, hot dog. Like, 
What's that? It's like a bad hot dog. <laughs> like, yeah. Like zone. Yes. Just like that. And it, I mean, I, when I heard about the contention of you're celebrating this mass murderer and the, like there's real real people have died associated with this character or as a result of this character oh, you was know? that yeah when the dark knight came out people uh -huh. i forgot yeah. about that or i forgot about so, that direct link shit so sur survivors of that shooting and family members of people who were lost in that shooting really kind of went after warner brothers for this movie um and it really made, and I was like, that was another angle of like, I don't know how to feel about this movie, you know? And uh, their response was essentially, no, we're not. Um, we're not celebrating this character at all. And after seeing it, like even Ash is like, there is no celebration. You don't feel good for him. Like you... And you don't feel bad for him. You can't feel bad for him either. Like he, you'd feel awful that there could be a society that exists that that person could, and then you realize that that happens all the time with people here. And then you feel even worse that yeah. we live in that world. Like hey, I, um, so Taxi Driver came out in this in that era of the seventies when directors were basically allowed to just do whatever the fuck they wanted to. Yeah, right? like, and it was and like they, the anti-hero thing was yeah emerging. And, 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 yeah, it was like this perfect storm for like that dark, like trying to like really. I feel like shine a light on realism, right? Like mm -hmm. that's what they saw as real, you know. And like, I I mean, man, Jodie Foster plays a fucking 12 year old in that movie oh, or, yeah or i was starting to like, think so, about that movie and hearing like remembering some of the scenes where he's like harvey Keitel is the pimp is like trying to yeah. sell her to de niro and it just gets so like upsetting <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah awful i mean just yeah. so shit you couldn't make that movie could not oh, get made never any, no but this uh, one did get made like this joker yeah. movie got made and it kind of is one of those movies it's weird. I told you it's almost a one timer. Right? Yeah, it, it I I both was and wasn't surprised to see that because like yeah, I sort of thought of this as something like you'd really get on board for because of your you having the idea like years ago when we in one of our first recorded conversations about like they went DC went about this wrong they should have been like building stories around the villains like the Joker and then building towards a Suicide Squad and. Uh, yeah, yeah. So th I don't think this one is building towards anything. They say it's not anyway. That it's going to be a one-off thing. But um, they say that, and they say like I read somewhere too that there will never like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker will never be in the same film with a Batman. Like they're like that was something yeah, they just I saw didn't that too. Do. I would be okay with that. <laughs> I would kind Absolutely. of like this to just stay what it is. It, the only so okay so here's the thing the only piece of it that i didn't like and this is what also makes me think that this is a fantasy is if you know the batman universe um alfred pennyworth i think is his last name mm -hmm. the 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 wayne's butler 
He's not a butler. He was like a trained, like, black ops equivalent, like, spy in Britain. There's oh, a show yeah, yeah. getting ready to come out, and um, I think it's on TBS or something called Pennyworth that oh. is about him before he joins the Waynes. But he's like this, like, international man of mystery, basically, who Thomas Wayne hires him to be a bodyguard, like to pose as a butler. Like he knows all of those tricks of the trade, of course, but really he's there to like do some damage. That's how Alfred is able to be like Bruce Wayne's right hand man. When he kicks off the Batman plan. Right. right? right, Okay. uh, Cause he's had all of this kind of like these, he deals with this kind of situation and training and all this shit. Like he's done it. He's seen everything, you know, that's, um, remember in, uh, in the dark Knight rises, uh, when he tells that story, he's like, Oh yeah. In the Congo, you know, you know, we found a child, like a, a man, it was a, a, a jewel thief and <laughs> the jewel he had a, pri- always a tangerine. <laughs> so yeah. I, that's I always remember that. Part. Yeah. And, uh, some men just want to see the world burn. Yeah, and like that's yeah. like one story. So in this Joker, he part of the fantasy that he's fed from his mother is that Thomas Wayne and her had an affair. Yeah, like when she worked there. Love child. Yeah, and so he totally buys that fantasy, like hook, line, and sinker, mm-hmm. right from the get go. And goes to you see him go to the Wayne Manor. Bruce Wayne is this young boy. Well, I think uh, just real quickly, I think he buys it because she doesn't not because she tells him, but because he finds it out. She's sending these letters always that he's sending for her. She's like obsessive about letters to Thomas Wayne. Yeah, and he's like, why are you doing this? And she'll never tell him. But I I don't know if he'd been as read. I don't know if he'd have believed her if she just said it to him. But I think because he discovers it, like in this secret way. Yeah. That yeah. maybe he thinks, but then yeah. Anyway, it could all. Who knows what's true? Anyway, sorry. Go on. <laughs> well, and then I mean, so he can. So he goes to see. He sees Bruce Wayne. So they say this is a Joker movie with no Batman, but technically, there yeah, is a Bruce Wayne there. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a young. He's probably like eight years old. He's very. He's like a ten-year-old boy. Yeah, he's the age uh, when his parents it's die. This creepy thing where he like. <laughs> He does some magic for him and then like through the bars of the gate, he puts his hands oh, inside yeah, his mouth to make the smile. Like makes the smile with him. So <sighs> this is how I think that this is all fantasy too. Is that Alfred comes and he is Alfred on IMDB. Like he's listed as Alfred and he like puts him in a chokehold like little Arthur, like bony skinny Arthur puts this guy who's supposed to be like special forces trained uh, in a chokehold and he just sits there and take it. And then not only that runs away from him in fear with Bruce, like they like go running off back to the manor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think this is all, I think it's all fantasy. I think it's all mm. tank shush. <laughs> I've heard the the Arthur. So DC does all that weird shit about like Earth this and Earth that, so they could reboot characters all the time. Yeah. And there's these like parallel timelines, and so I I've heard that Arth, I've heard that 
development for Alfred. But I, I wonder if it's like always the case, you know, I, but I, I don't know, but that's an interesting, yeah. Like little detective thing where it's like, maybe that was a knowing thing on the part of the, the filmmakers to, to well, help I mean, he's always like that, right? Batman's right hand man, right? Like he always yeah. knows all the gadgets and is kind of like his, like he's the man at the screen as the like yeah. kid from the Spider-Man movie would say, like he's, he's not the hero. He's the guy that like comes in in a pinch to help the hero pick him up or give him the like information that he needs or whatever. So, and all of that training didn't come from, you know, he wasn't training for that while Bruce was training to be Batman. Right, yeah, it's when he was a young. He had man. that training, like he. Yeah. So. Yeah, I never I heard that till recently, but I, I mean, I think the first time we saw that represented in like some of the most popular iterations of the Batman story would be the Jeremy Irons version, right? And, uh, in Batman versus Superman, and probably in Justice League, which I haven't seen, but he seems like maybe he was like capable at some point, you know, whereas like, I, I mean, you could imagine you're Michael Caine, but, but like, I feel like when they oh, show, yeah, but those are all old men. I think yeah. when, like he hired Thomas Wayne, hired him to be Bruce Wayne's bodyguard when he was a little kid. Yeah. It just so yeah. happened. They died when they, when Bruce Wayne was little and he was also like given like custody of Bruce Wayne, essentially, you know, yeah, as well as the yeah. rest of their worth. Some somewhere along the line, Alfred and Thomas Wayne crossed paths, and Thomas Wayne earned the trust to like inherit his entire fucking fortune. You know, or Alfred, there's not yeah. one more, yeah. more, one other Wayne in existence that would have <laughs> right. That's a good point. <laughs> that you know, yeah. like. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and one of the most interesting things then about the movie too, and I really thought in the moment when they were that they were going to make. I thought they were going to make Joker and Batman siblings like, in this world. Cause I thought like they're writing their own thing. This could be a real thing. <laughs> like as, yeah. as like, that would have been, I don't, that was like watching that unfold. I was like, fuck is this? Are they going to really do this? Okay with that. I thought they were going that way <laughs> yeah. and I really was not okay with it. I don't think I was either about, and then it didn't happen. So I, <laughs> well, and, and so then he gets the file on his, so he confronts Thomas Wayne. Yeah. And he, Thomas Wayne punches his nose. <laughs> yeah. And and so okay, so here is another really good correlation. That ends with him leaning on the edge of the sink, right, mm-hmm. and like, dripping blood into the sink, and he's like hunched over it and looking down, right. Mm-hmm. And the the cut, it's a jump cut, hard cut, to the same shot of him standing the same way in his kitchen oh. over the like sink in the kitchen of his apartment and he walks over to the refrigerator and pulls all the stuff out of the refrigerator <laughs> and, and climbs it. into it and closes that's the door so up. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's very interesting one there's that one of the really affecting parts of it i mean you i mean you see him get when he gets beat up by those kids on the street it's horrible i think yep. this must happen before he gets beat up on the subway because that's a real t- turning point but when he's talking to Thomas Wayne, like confronting him, he sneaks in as like a waiter or something to some event and tries to an usher. Yeah, thank you. The movies seeing, um, of all things, Charlie Chaplin's oh, the Great Dictator, isn't that right? I think or no, it's a Brave New World or whatever. It's that movie, modern times. Modern times. Yeah, that's right. I can't remember what happens in that one. 
they're they're going to the theater and seeing actual movies that are coming out in 1981. Why are they having this big gala event where yeah. they're premiering a Charlie Chaplin movie if it's not all a fucking oh, fantasy? Oh, nice, very nice. Holy shit. Oh man. I got to see this again now. <laughs> but so he's t- saying to like Thomas Wayne at a certain point when he's Thomas Wayne before he just flat out says like your mother is crazy and all this. Um, But he says like, why are you being so awful? Why is everyone so awful? It's so heartbreaking when he says that because that's one of the first, he seems to like take a lot of this abuse physical and otherwise and just kind of absorb it, you know, and you see it and you see him all bruised and like wiry and has this sort of, he has some interaction like with, this like pretty neighbor who has a child on the elevator where she's like in, in what we see, she's joking with him that like, Oh, you know, my kid's driving me nuts. And she sort of puts a fake gun to her head and like pretends to blow her brains out as the, yeah, like, it's somehow charming. Mindset, like, yeah. Like shoot. I, I, you know, I want to blow my brains out. Yeah. So awful. kids bugging me yeah. and he kind of does it back. And then that starts this sort of, romance that we see develop in the movie where she eventually comes to see him do stand-up comedy and we're led to believe he does kind of well but um yeah i mean for the most part though he other than that he's just shit on by even like his mother like she's like yep. what makes you think you could do stand-up comedy don't you have to be funny for that and yeah. uh so he just keeps taking it taking that and that was one of the cracks you see where he's just like you know trying to make some sense of it and then he starts to be more vocal like with the social worker that he has to go see and says that thing about like don't you ever listen and you know i all i have is bad thoughts and all this and yep. uh but i think that happens after the really pivotal scene where he's on the on the train on the subway and uh he's beat up by these wall street guys basically and he at that so, point has got so a gun would- he has received a gun. So yeah. he, in in the after that opening scene, he's sign spinning. Some teenagers like steal his sign. He chases after him and they mug him. Yeah, essentially. like gang. I hate and, that in movies. Like it was an it. It's one of the worst things for me when like people gang up on someone. Yeah, and just stomp and kick them on the ground. It's yeah. so horrible to try to. I can't fathom that that group attack like that i can see getting into a blind rage with someone that something personal happens and that's upsetting to imagine but i can i can sort of project like how something like that could happen but like how you just gang up on someone and beat them for sport is unfathomable to me but we see it a lot in movies and i'm sure it happens in life it's definitely very upsetting we see that very early on in this movie and it happens again on the subway but you you were getting us to the subway i think Oh yeah, no. I was just, I'm, I'm just like thinking more stuff. Um, yeah, that after that he is mugged. One of his coworkers at the clown shop um, says, "Here, this is for you," and he hands him a bag with a thirty-eight in it and a and a bunch of bullets, and does this weird like you know, you're my boy and like, kind of like touches his ear. Did you oh, notice that? I didn't he, notice that. Like, That's creepy. Shit. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I can't have a gun. And he's like, come on, Arthur, you know, you're my boy. And he like winks at him or does some oh, weird shit. thing, you know, <laughs> That's, that can't <And> be good. <laughs> yeah. 
weird. And so he has that gun, but now I'm wondering, like, what if I think he did kill those guys? So what we see happen in the movie is that he's on a train after he gets fired because that he ends up dropping that gun while he's at a children's hospital performing. Oh, as a clown. Yeah. Yeah. And his boss who he's already on thin ice for or with, uh, fires him over the phone. So he's, and he, and he says, D please don't fire me. I love this job. That's the last thing that he says. Yeah. Yeah. And he hits his head at the, in the, like, the telephone oh, booth yeah and it shatters the glass and it's like the metaphor like he breaks mm -hmm. like he's losing this is the only thing that he likes in this awful fucking world that already sucks and he just breaks i think that he killed those guys in cold blood I don't think that he actually. Oh, that that wasn't provoked. That they didn't beat him up first. Because it's so similar to how the teenagers like treated him. Like they even like kick him while he's down, just like the teenagers did. Yeah, and it's like him taking like he. We're we perceive what we see happen is these three young professional men get on the subway. So it's, uh, it's him a young girl are already on the car and these three men get on the car with him with them. And they start kind of harassing the young girl. And because of his condition or what we assume is his condition in uh, awkward social situations, that's what triggers his laughter. Yeah. He's dressed as a clown cause he just got fired and he starts laughing at them, harassing this young girl. And she, it causes a moment where she's able to run away, but he can't stop laughing. And that is so, it's gut wrenching mm -hmm. that laugh because he laughs so hard that, like, you can see he strains and it like hurts yeah. his throat. Yeah. He can't, like, a lot of times when he does that. It's like he cries too. Like it happens yeah. earlier too. Like you sense that like his embarrassment or whatever and this kind of confused emotion. And there yep. it's yeah, it's really upsetting. And so they and these three young men end up, of course, like picking up on the laughter and ruin a Frank Sinatra song for me forever. <laughs> and uh um end up they start beating him up basically and start kicking him while he's down. It ultimately ends with him on the ground and the three of them standing around him and just kicking him. And the subway car goes dark and then the flash goes off with the bang, the gun that he had just dropped at the children's hospital. He just shoots in cold blood, not in cold blood, but we're perceived to see as self-defense. He shoots the three guys two of which shoots him right in the car and kills them one almost gets away and he follows him out of the car and then does shoot him in cold blood right in the fucking back yeah and that felt to me exactly like french connection the end of french connection like i, I yeah. that had to be deliberately homaging that as did yeah. the subway car thing felt like i had to look this up but i knew something like this happened and it's from 1984 the Bernard Go Goats, uh, Getz, 
Getz, probably Bernard Getz, was a guy that was accosted on a subway car and struck back and shot his attackers, basically. Okay. Um, yeah. I didn't know much about it, but uh, and and actually, I'm looking at it now on Wikipedia. His his weapon was a Smith and Wesson Model 38. Yeah. He was attacked by four guys, but um, yeah. So I feel like all of those things I, are pretty intentional. You know, the taxi driver, I, the the French connection, the Bernard oh, Goats it, thing. It, it's gets. All, what um i i said this to ash i said it to you i'll say it here now i think that quentin tarantino pays homage to movies from the 70s <laughs> where he's creating those films through the lens of how he remembers them as a child right yeah yeah i think that this is one of those movies like this could have come out in 1976 three months before taxi driver. And I think had just as much of an impact. Yeah, it does. It feels like it's of that time. They did a great job. Yeah. With all that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think that there's just a lot like I, uh, yeah, I think all the things that we see him doing anytime that he is, successful or like things are going in his way i think that's all fantasy i think that's all oh, yeah yeah even when it's kind of fucked up like when the sort of joker angle comes in towards the end which i guess we're, we're pretty close to that so like once he yeah. does that once he kills those guys and the one so deliberately like it starts out self-defense but then he like <laughs> goes after the the third one um right. he runs away he runs away he runs into some sort of like i don't know if it was like a bathroom in, in a central park type vibe he gets in there and he's like trying to compose himself and then he starts he seems to have yeah seems to have some sort of peace come over him and he starts to move his body in this strange way and it's like which some sort of yeah 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 which i got um so in one of the l interviews i listened to well Kane phoenix was talking about how when he first got hired he was cut he was, he was a little bit heavy for for himself and he's like he's like there was a moment where i tried to make happen like can we make this the first sort of slightly heavy set joker <laughs> he's like and he knew they wouldn't go for it and so he had to lose all he'd lose all the weight um and he said once that happened though like it really transformed his approach to the character to, to his body being so different and that's where a lot of this movement came from uh just that he found that he could w move his body in different ways and so it, it's easy to imagine watching it you know a lot of it even though he is so real thin it's as though he's like kind of sucking in his stomach and yeah he's contorting his body and he's kind of it's like, you know, as a Crow fan, it reminds me of the type of sort of Iggy Pop poses that you yeah. see that character do, who was also very influenced by, you know, vigilante stuff like Taxi Driver. And there's stuff I was thinking about that Taxi Driver voiceovers. He's like, you hear his thoughts in a way that you don't Arthur's. Um, he, but it is from journals and you hear him saying stuff like, yeah. listen up, you fuckers, you screw heads. Here is a man who would not take it anymore, who would not... And you hear his like backing up and he goes, listen, you fuckers, you screwhead as though like he's kind of scratching things out in his journals. Yeah. And I and you also hear him say things like diluted things like, um, I do not believe that one should devote his life to morbid self attention, which is like, that's the whole movie. <laughs> like as he's yeah. doing that, but he, yeah. he's deluding himself in this way. And, and I think Arthur's like that even more than I realized, I guess from what you're sort of positing. Who here. had 
creepy diary. Yeah, where his joke it's diary. Always, every time it flips open, did you notice it's always like there's some like desiccated like picture of a naked woman. Yeah, like something fucked up as oh. well because it's supposed to be his social worker asked him to keep a journal, and uh, and he's and he like calls it his joke diary. Yeah, he's like right. I also use it for the joke diary and. So somewhere in there too, like so he gets some sort of bizarre piece once he's killed those guys, and he starts to gain some confidence, and that's when he's saying t- he kind of starts to speak up to her and gets the courage to go to see. I think you know Thomas Wayne. And, well, he goes. Isn't he, that right? In the order, he goes right from that bathroom to dancing. Oh yeah. To dancing. Well, no, he dances in the bathroom, and then right from that. It, he goes into his building and walks right to his neighbor's apartment and knocks on the door and he takes her in his arms. As soon as she opens the door, just like you would see in a movie Yep. and he kisses her and you're still so in so much shock of watching him kill those three guys in cold blood that you're not like, like you're like, Oh my gosh, of course this like gives him all this confidence. Like, mm-hmm. cause he's the fucking Joker. Yeah. And it's got like this, like it, it does go into this magical realism kind of sweeping orchestral music and it's kind yeah. of like slow motion. And yeah. And they, in like, she like swoops the door closed behind them and it's implied that they go and they probably have like sex or whatever, but come to find out later in the movie, like, no, like she never, they like because the rest of the movie every time that you see her except for the last time she is there saying exactly what you would expect arthur to want to hear and she's doing what you would expect arthur would want her to be doing so she's when he finally goes to do the stand-up which i think is real i think he does really do the stand-up which means i think he really does go to the murray show like yeah he, yeah so he does the stand-up that we see her at and then that makes its way to the what's the rob so robert de niro plays a, like a late night talk show host yeah like murray a johnny something. carson like yeah almost yeah, and and actually, funnily enough, so that's like the last like reference movie, what the, and it was the only one I hadn't seen. Like I had never seen King of Comedy. Oh um, yeah. yeah, which is directed by Martin Scorsese and stars Robert De Niro as another misanthropic character who wants to. He wants is just like Arthur. Like he wants to be a stand-up comedian, and he pretends that he's on the. So it's Jerry Lewis in the in the that movie, and um, he ultimately, eventually, he kidnaps Jerry Lewis and makes him let him appear on his show um and actually with shit works out once he does <laughs> but uh anyway so i'd never seen that and um i i just watched it over the weekend based on wanting to have that reference for joker but that it's so interesting it's like and then i remembered i heard a long time ago that martin scorsese was going to be the director or producer of this project i had completely oh. forgotten about that and that was on the table for a while. Even when Todd Phillips was brought on board, he was going to be a producer. But yeah, it's just like De Niro and Scorsese, like that stuff is just like in the DNA of uh, right. of this movie. Yep. Um, it's kind of weird because it's like, <laughs> they didn't, <laughs> like, Joaquin Phoenix is amazing and I actually do really like this movie, but it, it's like, it's bizarrely derivative in some ways. Like if, you, if you're if you familiar with those other movies we're talking about, the, especially Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, Yep. Just put the Joker makeup on and that's kind of it. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> I, I agree. 
that uh, first time that you see that you're introduced to the late night with Murray character through he's watching it with his mom. Mm-hmm. The, they're in like her bed because they're in a one bedroom apartment and, and she gets the bed. He sleeps on the couch. But they're watching this late night show and he is transported into the fantasy where there's this like he tells this offbeat joke and you hear the cringy laugh that he has done and it but it ends up like he puts the spotlight on him and then asks him to come down and like says you know if i i didn't have kids but if i did i would want one just like you and it's like it's this super cringeworthy fantasy um that he has about this character that yeah, I guess that's our up, clue that that's what he does. That he projects these yeah. fantasies again. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I think he really did go do the stand up, and uh, maybe killing those guys really did give him confidence. Yeah. But it, yeah. you know, it gave him confidence to go try that stand up, which ultimately did lead to that. But then at the same time, too. Maybe it did make it to late night with Murray, but I wonder if he got asked on the show because this is the other big clue. When he he gets the call to be asked to come on to Murray, it's a split shot and it's of the phone, right? Mm -hmm. And he's laying on his mom's bed playing with himself. Oh, yeah. That was bizarre. Fantasizing. (laughs) Like, like, oh, yeah. so like Holy he's fantasizing that they're call <laughs> would call him to ask him on the show so that he could yeah. have his revenge yeah. for being you know for being like shit on by Murray. Yeah, because you hear that in the preview that we li- listened to where it's like they show the stand up, but it's he shows him bombing and he makes fun of him as bombing yeah. and calls yeah. him a joker, <laughs> you know, yeah. like this joker. <laughs> I think that actually did happen. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think they called to ask him back on the show. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point about him masturbating because, like, that's it's sort of a masturbatory fantasy. Fuck. Yeah. Oh man. And I think in the meantime, between like when he's asked to do that, he like kills other guys like from that he used to work with. I actually was out of the. I went to the bathroom I during that. I think that's he wanted to have revenge because like he that I think that guy did give him a gun. And he traced back. That's what caused all of this. But he didn't have the guts to like take out that fantasy on that guy. Like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. And there's like there's cops after him uh, at this point because of the murder on the subway. Um, And also there's this because of them representing these like yuppie guys and the things we're hearing from Thomas Wayne who says stuff interesting stuff too like who would do this but a coward in a mask like hearing that from Batman's dad is interesting yep yep um but then um it kind of takes hold in this city that like they also mentioned early on that there's like a trash strike so like the stuff uh in um like in taxi driver the grime of the street and the you know someday a real rain will come and wash away the sin from the city like there's Actually, in this movie, there's like mountains of trash bags and stuff. It's like made physical. Um, but uh, and Thomas Wayne, I guess, is going to run for office and clean the city up. Blah blah blah. But so this it becomes this kind of rallying cry for people who feel disenfranchised with the with the rich and stuff. And so people are like 
wearing these clown masks and are they doing their own acts of vigilanteism or I'm trying to remember at that point in the movie that reminded me though of the whole like Bernard Getz thing because there was a little bit of a rash of like yeah the incident sparked a nationwide debate on race and crime in major cities illegal limits to self-defense and anyway but it kind of takes hold in the city, this whole like clown idea, like Thomas Wayne called them clowns and people are starting to kind of revolt. Uh, And Arthur sees this, uh, you know, sees himself kind of reflected in uh, newspaper, you know, um, coverage of it. And then there's like, he sees a guy in a cab wearing a mask and he kind of smiles at him. Um, But yeah, so eventually by the end, he has this plan to go on the Murray show and say his piece and kill himself like on national television. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he gets there and he says all of that, (laughs) but he doesn't kill himself. He shoots Robert De Niro's character, Murray. Um, and he, he does kind of like put it to gun to his head for a moment, but he doesn't. And he kind of flees and runs away. And he yeah. runs into the city where there it's kind of like there's rioting in the streets and everybody's wearing in these masks. So he grabs the camera oh, and yeah. says whatever he says, but it cuts off before he gets to say it. But you yeah. get to hear it because it pans out from this bank then, right? Yeah, like the control room. You're showing his notoriety. Like it's to show that, that his notoriety is is happening. Like he's being known now, you know? Mm-hmm. And, the, and this person only is referred to as the Joe, introduced as the Joker. Yeah. But it cuts from that to him riding in the back of that cop car. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't know how it goes from him shooting Robert De Niro's character to being in that cop car. Yeah. He could have just gone straight from there to Arkham. Uh, yeah. As you say. Well, but I mean, like, he didn't, like, well, dance, like, r- go run out into the, into the, um, riot. See, the, oh, see, the weird thing, too, is like, I think the riot had to have happened. Because I like that the Waynes were killed. Oh, that's right. That's, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, as a part of In that riot, of that. right? Yeah. But then I don't, this is where the fantasy comes in. So, like, every time that that story has been told, yes, they're at the theater. They're not at a movie theater, though. Like, they, somebody who doesn't have a high class, like. No, they were, though, I think. and Because it was Zorro. They went to see Zorro, like, in the 40s. That was the original thing, I think. Oh, it wasn't the gay really? Zorro or whatever this oh. one is, but it was Zorro because that was one of the main inspirations for Batman was Zorro. Uh, okay, I got you. I got you. Oh, yeah, in, in right. the in the most recent like films, like Dark it was Knight. A, yeah, they were at the opera like the type later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which was a nice spin because, on it, but Zorro. Um, was the, it was that was a nice spin. I was just thinking because I was like, well, that would make sense that like he wouldn't think of like a, a stage theater probably based on like the class of citizen he is yeah in Gotham. yeah for like, the fantasy type thing yeah. that it, yeah. he heard like if because i picture him being like if if you, we go with that like he was in the asylum the whole time right yeah yeah gleaning these tidbits like this there really is this like political climate in gotham happening at that time like while he's dealing with whatever he's dealing with in arkham but he's injecting in the, himself in these pieces that he's hearing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure the Waynes getting killed would be this, like, big news story that would make it into his periphery. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. But uh, Oh, man. But 
Sorry, he just heard they were killed after a night at the theater, and if he didn't think of like if his if he never had been to a stage theater before, he would just assume when he heard oh they were killed after a night at the theater that they went to the movies. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, like, so yeah. we're seeing that happen. The the thing there, you see him lock eyes. So as this like political tension is growing. The people of Gotham, the 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 poor and disenfranchised of Gotham, really grasp onto this clown idea, like Dave was talking about, right? So multiple times you see Arthur interact with that movement happening, and every time you see him lock eyes with the one person with that wearing one of those masks mm -hmm. the people who are driving the ambulance that hit the cop car in that fantasy and lift him out of the cop car are all those people that he's locked eyes with earlier oh my I, I, i'm pretty confident they are like they're yeah. like this because they're wearing masks so it's hard to tell but maybe on repeat viewings you actually can spot yeah, them and i think so oh yeah, that is very interesting. And such a cool scene, too, to where... And you, as an audience member, you're just, like, so shell-shocked that that happened, that he stood up and, like, yeah. shot Murray, and it's so fucked up, and uh, you're just, like, shell-shocked. And then the, the thing gets hit uh, the by the ambulance, and and then um, these people, like, all all of the, the rioters, like, they have the Joker masks on. It's it, that, that scene really pays homage to me like I was just ready for him to like lean out the window of that car, you know, he's in just like Heath Ledger in the dark Knight, you know, like it felt like that sort of scene for me in that movie where, um, but yeah, so they like lay him out on the, on the hood of this crashed car and they just all kind of gather around like some sort of ancient deifications, you know, ceremony where they're like waiting for him to rise from the dead These or something. Literally just recently throwing Molotov cocktails into storefronts. Yeah. But like they he's there all of that to come like gather around. Yeah. Him. And it's like, he's their God. You're like, they're all wearing masks, but it's his like face that they're emulating. And he sort of stands up and takes all that in and kind of does a little move. Right. I yep. think. Um, and as, as it's like, again, the yeah. And it's kind of like, you see it a lot in the trailer and there is that scene where he dances his way down the stairs, which remind me of the exorcist stairs, but whatever. They um, do. I thought that every time I saw it. Did them. you? Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so, it, but it does start to get into that place. Oh, that's hey, nice. She does. Hi. <laughs> It, he says hi. It move like it really feels like this kind of seventies, you know, um, you know, Martin Scorsese movie. But it mo starts to move. That's where it really solidifies. It's like this is the story of the Joker. You know, like he starts to like right. gain this swagger once he start once he starts to go to Murray's. Like when he's on his way to Murray, he starts to have this. He's he's like walking in slow motion, you know, for us, <laughs> like all the time and seems to have this confidence. And it's like he says, like, I thought my life was a tragedy, but now I know it's a comedy. It's like that's when he's really just like snapped. He embraces it. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah, is 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 embraced it and now is embracing like it feels like even watching the, so all of them gather around him, it just feels like like watching Batman sixty six and the Joker always had his little gang that always wore masks yep. and stuff. It's like yep. It's so cool. No, it, it's all. Oh, but also I really love upsetting. <laughs> all, the, all the homages. 
like all of those great tendencies, the things that you love about the Joker, they, I feel like they found a way to show like the first time he did those things, or you could see yeah. the, like the, the beginnings of those tendencies or in quirks, mm-hmm. him trying them out or just like the, the roots of those, like how they started, you know, um, man, is it so fucking good? It's just a great movie. Uh, yeah, it's not going to make you feel good like we talked about. And I, I no. think both the bride and I went there. I knew that it, I didn't know how upsetting it was going to be, though. And we both left and we were just like, like, well, it was good. But like, it's just not what I need. It's not what anyone needs right now. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a weird time in American history to go see a movie that tells the story of this kind of like sociopathic, you know, character that doesn't have a villain to come and defeat them because like we're you know because we've got one we've got a super villain in the fucking white house yeah. you know what makes me think of it um we got our lex luther in real life um anyway but it so it's it's like yeah it's it's i don't know it's weird to want it's not the movie i wanted like to feel but it was a very exciting movie to see like yeah. and and just a couple like comic book what'd you say sorry impactful Oh yeah, like, impactful. Not yeah. necessarily like in a positive. Way. I I mean, it like it's impactful, impactful in a worthwhile way. If, but not necessarily a positive one. No. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. One like uh, in the interview circuit with uh, um, Joaquin Phoenix, people are kind of asking him about it. And he's just like, I don't. He's like, I don't have even a set of way I don't have a way that I necessarily even think about it for myself. I certainly don't want to influence the way you think about it. It's it's that whole like yeah. um cause was the, the director of um of Mandy, right? It's like what you get from it. Oh no, sorry, Swiss Armor Man, excuse me. Wasn't it them that, yes. that like in that yes. you like yes. where he like when the woman like asked the very can you just tell me what this thing means? And he's like, well what is it he countered with well what does it mean to you? Yep, exactly. Exactly. And that's how I guess he approached the whole thing. He's like, he's like, I don't even think Arthur knows from moment to moment, like how he feels about things. I certainly don't. And I'm not going to try to tell you what, what I think you should take from it. So it is, it's, it's this nihilistic movie (laughs) is what it is, which is upsetting. But But if you are a fan of that, it's exciting. The Joker is though. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, I don't care about anything. Right. No. Yeah. Because they ask him, like he says that, yeah, about the makeup. He's like, "Is are you? Is this a political thing?" He's like, "Oh no." He's like, "I don't care about any of that." Yeah, you know? I don't like, believe in anything. I think, yeah, I don't believe in anything. You know, like, yeah, it's it's cool the the realistic way they played it. You know, it's like as seriously yeah. as suddenly Batman was taken and tried to be introduced into the world with Batman Begins. Like, how would this somehow actually look like in real life? Right. How could you bring some realism to that? I feel like not. I, I, not that they didn't do that with Heath Leather, Heath Ledger. They just didn't really delve into it. They just left his whole thing in mystery. So this feels like a movie they could have made with him, really. Yeah, and and like with Heath Ledger's thing, like that was the whole. That was what made his Joker so amazing. Was that it fully embraced that idea of I can't exist without you. The I started to exist the moment you started to exist. Oh, like yeah, that's the yeah. mix for Batman. Like, yeah, I can't kill you. You can't kill me. We're gonna do this forever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, and 
that's we we and we in you know the implication was that we didn't see if that's true we saw the batman start so we didn't get to see the joker start and it was this he just was there he was in the world of gotham you know mm-hmm. like nobody had a background on this guy that's why i was so reluctant on this like i didn't want i didn't want that i didn't want it to be the backstory to heath ledger's joker you know what oh, i mean I see. like I, yeah yeah it didn't uh, feel like maybe it was or was it what you wanted oh, ultimately no, no uh this is totally its own thing man like but again i think it's like it's just like how we can have Mark Hamill's Joker in the bat in the animated universe yeah, yeah. in video game universe, which I think is right up there with Heath Ledger's Joker. In my opinion, uh, you have Heath Ledger's Joker. You have Jack, Jack Nicholson's yeah, Joker. I mean, I rewatched that last year. They're all really it, great for the movie that good. they're in, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like the campy Joker from the campy Batman 66 yeah. is great, you know, for, what it is and oh i i don't know this is just like i really am curious even though i don't need to see it i am curious to see what that world's batman looks like oh yeah i wonder if that will be the you know the batman that they're making now Um, i don't know well i i mean they canceled um ben affleck's batman i think officially yeah yeah right I mean, I know they removed him from the project, but it was up in the air if they were going to bring somebody else on to like reshoot. Oh, they're not they doing it at all now. I don't think they're doing his that movie at all now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, I love too in I this though that like like you said the thing about the Dark Knight movie where it's like we the the yin and yang of the whole thing like one doesn't exist without the other and um. It is cool. I hadn't necessarily thought of it, but in this movie's universe as well, like that scene in the riot is where the Joker really becomes the Joker. Like that's yeah. where he like takes it on. And then that, and it's like right around the corner that the Waynes were murdered, which they do in the classic, you know, Frank Miller style with the pearls and all of that stuff. Yep. Like yep. it was, um, that was pretty cool. And other, just a couple other like little comic nods only that I can think of. Um, to the to the Dark Knight comic book, like I, I actually personally didn't see much of any of the Killing Joke that I could point to, and that's actually the probably the comic other than the Crow I'm most familiar with. Um, but Dark Knight Returns, there's a great thing where like the Joker is absent for the first like half of that. He's in an, an you know Arkham or not even Arkham, like in somewhere else, like a hospital, and they're trying to rehabilitate him, and he's in a catatonic state until the Batman comes back to fight the mutants. And then he hears Batman on the TV and stuff, and he comes back to life. Or, like, he comes yep. back to cognizance and goes out and wreaks havoc. Um, but, so there's that. So I think that insane asylum part reminded me of that a little bit. But also the in that once he does start to go out, his first appearance, like when he comes back into the world, it's they're supposedly going to pr- present him as a rehabilitation success story so it's a little bit like in young frankenstein where they bring the monster out to tap dance you know and it doesn't go well (laughs) in this case like the joker like puts on this like lipstick and and he's on the he's on a talk show like a tv talk show in this case it's a bit of a takeoff of david letterman um and the i don't know if they call him david and endocrine or something i can't remember but like dr joyce druthers or like the sex you know joy of sex doctor is on 
with him and he comes out and he kisses somebody and anyone he kisses like dies and then they all have that rictus joker grin somehow then i think they get the gas into the room and stuff but that's like where he re-emerges and kills people on a mass scale again for the first time and so i think that whole thing about they got the king of comedy thing in there with like the Arthur character wanting to be on that show and then it being played by Robert De Niro. So there was a real like dark night nod there as well. I just for like somebody familiar, if you're like a fan of comics, but by way of the movies, <laughs> yeah. this is perfect. I think, you know, uh, while also uh, being horrible. <laughs> so I think that's all I can say about it. Uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I give it a big thumbs up. Me too. Me too. Even though, even if this is all we me. get from that universe, <laughs> yeah, I I think it's uh, and and who would have fucking thought that the director of Old School and the Hangover franchise <laughs> right. could give us this? Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't mean that in any derogatory way. I I mean no. that in like way to go for like break like totally proven your chops that like you can establish yourself as this amazing comedy director which i think is arguably harder than making a drama yeah oh, and then yeah, being sure. like fuck you and i'm gonna make this i'm gonna this turn too. the fucking <laughs> whole superhero idea on its head and show you that this is how you make a serious comic book movie yeah know? yeah like you haven't seen a serious comic book movie. This is one. And it's a know? great idea. I mean, it's it's a little like Adam McKay, you know, making the Talladega Nights and a lot of stuff with Will Ferrell, but it can go on to make the kinds of films he did with like the the big short and and uh, all that right. kind of stuff. But it's I think it's an interesting thing that they did what they did. You know, it's like Marvel's been so successful by choosing these kind of um, distinctive directors and letting them do their thing with a Marvel right. property, like the right Marvel property, I guess. And uh, so I think that was like, this is as close as DC has come to that because you basically, you you do a comedy director in this quote unquote comedy. You know, it's about a c- tragically comic figure or whatever, you know, the right. whole joke about the Joker and whatnot. But it's also populated with comics, so many comics in these small yeah. roles. It's really clever and it's a very like meta movie as we've discussed, and and that's one more layer Absolutely. to it. Absolutely, and th- and that's why I don't. I I mean, I'm sure some people might listen to this and be like, "This guy is like way out there and reading into this way too much." I don't think so. I I I don't. I respect Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix enough to be to think that they they made some conscious choices about what was happening. And when things were happening, I mean, Walking Phoenix right there saying like Arthur didn't know what was real and what wasn't real. Yeah. And I, I don't want to influence yeah. and how he felt like I don't want to influence that. That's just saying it right there. Like even Joaquin Phoenix doesn't know what scenes are real and what aren't in that. You, I, you know I, I mean? buy your theory, actually. I, I, uh, <sighs> I, I hadn't it's pretty exciting <laughs> and he talks I, I about like alone. they say his mom has narcissistic like she has narcissistic uh tendencies and it, and that's what supports that where he's injecting himself on all of this other news that he's hearing mm-hmm. of the times that yep. he lives in i think it's true i think he does like 
feel this like general malaise about the world that he's living in. I think it is a pressure pot. I think there like all there's real truth, a thread of truth through every scene. But just like that thing, like they had to take out the one scene that didn't have him in it because he was in every other scene. Yeah. You know, all, like all from his perspective. I even I think I even said that coming out of one of those movies where I was like, I don't think there was one scene where he wasn't in it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And like which that's it that means it's all in his head you're you're seeing it all through his perspective you know and man if that's the case then every like you can't put a finger on anything definitively that you see yeah i even thought with the social worker like when he was in arkham at the end oh incidentally i can't remember now what scene it was but that scene the last thing we see of him like running back and forth in the orderlies chasing him across that hallway that's right out of the king of comedy i don't think it's the same context but that shot of somebody running back and forth between the lockdown is right out of king of comedy too oh really but it also is this wonderful suggestion of like you know this sort of terrorizing playful nature that now he's gonna have <laughs> oh as the, yeah as like i see what i want to do is we, we what i would, would be i want to see the matured joker now i want to see this yeah when batman he's is established old enough. you yeah, know like kind of do too <laughs> as the joker where you see all like oh man what a great Oh yeah, I but think you could do it be- too, right? Because he's got dyed green hair, like yep. And I don't know if 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 the, if it's successful and if the public wants it enough. I know that Joaquin Phoenix, while they said they don't want to necessarily have it be part of like the Batman universe, he said that like I really ultimately came to love playing this character, and I would like to find a way to do it more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's man, as you can see, like it, it, it's a very stimulating movie to like gives you things to think about and. And, and and dream up and dread <laughs> but should we take a a quick break and come back and touch no, that's on perfect the- so let's let's do that i'll just let this keep running though okay good deal same here awesome smile though your heart is aching Smile even though it's breaking When there are clouds in the sky You'll get by If you smile through your fear and sorrow Smile and maybe see the sun come shining through for you hey so did you guys get like i heard did you guys get a ton of snow we did not um we actually just came back from fall break which we left for on the day that that would have happened so we and we didn't return to a bunch of snow so that's how i know we didn't but we got just enough like in the four hours north that we went to make it really nice (laughs) just to like because she and I both love snow. So that that was really cool. But yeah, my mom had written, texted us and said, I hear you're going to get a half of snow. So I, yeah. I, I don't know if any of that, I don't think any of that happened uh, in the Minneapolis area, but uh, it definitely got really cold <laughs> and it's kind of stank that way. But 
Yeah. Yeah. So we were just, yeah, we drove north and spent a few days. She gets a formal like fall break with her job for, and uh, for a few days and kind of went up to a cabin, actually a cabin we went to before. And so there was, a, it was a kind of familiar vibe to it. And, uh, I just, yeah, we went hiking and stuff and just relaxed. And actually we started, <laughs> she had this, that bride wanted to watch, wants to watch all the Star Wars films leading up to the new one. So we mm-hmm. started with the prequels. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> we watched them. <laughs> Did you watch them in chronological order of the universe? Or yeah. as of one, two, three, and then we got like halfway through 3.5 or Rogue One. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was her idea. And then I became like oddly defensive of it at times. At times I wanted to ridicule it as well. And we, and other times I was like, no, no, you know, <laughs> she's like, is this battle still happening? I'm like, they're trying to accomplish a lot here. You know, there's <laughs> uh, multiple fronts. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. There is some dialogue in attack of the clones that I think is completely like, it's so I don't know if it's not written well or not delivered well or both. I like both probably. <laughs> both, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's rough. <laughs> the love stuff. I don't buy them as being in love at no, all. No. So the fan theory that Obi Wan secretly had an affair with Padme. <laughs> I never heard that. Oh yeah, That's and then fun. actually like the it's that that it's a you're actually seeing like. Anakin find out about that. That's what all of that's supposed to be, you know. Oh, and, and he like, gets really upset at the end of three. <laughs> yeah, and the kids okay. are actually so that would make Luke actually oh, was actually Obi Wan's and oh my okay all this crazy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> crazy stuff. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, but I don't buy them, Anakin and Padme as lovers at all. No, I mean, unfortunately, like, there's just no heart in the first three. Like, I remembered the third one, like, we were starting getting to the last hour, and I was like, no, I, this is actually the part, like, I, this is, I do like this, like, this, it all yeah. leads up to this, and I, I remember being very moved when Obi-Wan's like, you know, you're my brother, Anakin, I loved yeah. you, and I was all destroyed about that at the time, but, and then I'm, yeah, it's just like, it's great backstory, all that's great backstory, but it just really yeah. didn't pan out as movies <laughs> it's the like it's the extra 80 pages of exposition that stephen king throws into his like 500 page <laughs> yeah. novels you know yeah. like i think had they filmed that stuff at the time and it was integrated like and you had it's like you know it being these two movies like it's one book that integrates the two timelines and it all really works together because because it works together and you earn those things and they support each other. But with the prequels as they are, they just, um, yeah, they just exist in this like other play anyway. So it was, I, I was like, if we're ever going to do it, this seems like the time to do it. So let's go yeah. ahead and, and embrace it. And so we did that. And, and then that's awesome. At, at, I mean, it was, it was neat to do, I guess. And it was fun to bond over teasing them at times. And at night at- I watched, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no! Well, I, I, Ash has been saying that uh, recently that she wants to. She um, has been wanting to watch the Star Wars movies. Jesus, that that is the definition of long walk, short drink. <laughs> All of that for me to say, we've been meaning to do the way, exactly what you just talked about. You actually doing? We haven't done it yet. That thing that was that you did. We haven't done it. We've just been talking about doing it. Do you like, think you will? 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, but, but the prequels don't exist in this house. So, oh, we'll so start she with, never even seen them. Oh no, we watched them once. Okay, just so okay. she, so she could, so then I, she could be indoctrinated into the idea of why they suck. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think I just keep thinking over and over and over again. It's in that documentary that's on the first DVD release of episode one yeah love that documentary (laughs) (laughs) when they are coming out of the of the director's cut of episode one Mm -hmm. like the his first cut like raw cut (laughs) and like ralph mcquarrie who is like has been like george lucas's cheerleader for the whole (laughs) fucking documentary like yeah we don't know where we're like his big (laughs) teeth and his giant head and just like we don't know where we're going but we're gonna go there because George says we have to, and I'm gonna make sure it happens. You know, like mm-hmm. I just remember him being this like really like blowhard to George Lucas's like totally soft spoken, laid back personality. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, but them walking out of that screening and just like <laughs> even that fucking blowhard Ralph McQuarrie <laughs> say a fucking word like rough. <laughs> Yeah, and it cuts to George Lucas like saying like maybe having total control wasn't the like greatest idea, you know? Like, oh shit, I didn't remember that part. I might need to rewatch that doc now. Doesn't they don't doesn't he admit that at some point in that documentary, he's like maybe there should have been somebody to just say, or is that in the red letter reviews? It might be in that I. I know there is an awareness that like, at least at first it's not working. Like the first cut yeah. is really disappointing, yeah. uh, but I don't think he has the, cause it's all during while it's happening. So he's got no hindsight of yeah, like people are going to hate this, all that, <laughs> but yeah, letters. And it's so funny. Cause it's like the, I love the red letters that are about the prequels because it just rips them apart and I don't like the prequels, but I don't like any of the other red letters because it talks bad about the movies that I do like. Yeah. Yeah. I purposely haven't watched those. Like a hypocrite or uh, whatever that type of person would be. I think it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he definitely was voicing something that a lot of people felt and like he kind of gave yeah. it some shape of like, and he, you know, the, uh, the juxtaposition of like, you know, here's why the lightsaber battles in the first ones were, yeah. impactful and you see the emotion all that and then here's like the fucking just down dancing that's <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah i don't know i mean i hate sort of a negatively tinged thing basement, but, yeah but. i know yeah those original like, red letter reviews though of the trilogy are uh yeah, pretty good the prequels, the prequels sorry yeah i shouldn't call that the trilogy oh my yeah. god they're they called it the original trilogy the red letter reviews of the original trilogy there is this um, email exchange uh, with the bride's uh, cousin, Robbie. Um, we talk about a lot, but he uh, there's this funny thing that came up that involves the Star Wars here that is, I think, sort of worth. Uh, okay. So we're talking about some plans. We often go up there for Halloween and stuff and walk with our kids, but we just mentioned that we watched the, the Star Wars movies and... Um, I think we said, yeah, we said the prequels, but then Robbie's wife chimed in and, and at the end of like the planning email, she goes, Oh, and star Wars. Every time I watch this, I think, how did I think this was amazing as a kid? The old ones are so cheese. And then her husband 
bride's cousin <laughs> chimes in. He calls her Titter, which is hilarious. <laughs> he goes, Titter, they watched Star Wars episodes one through three. Episodes one and two suck dick, except for Darth Maul and a few other bits. Episodes four through six are golden. <laughs> And then I chime in and I say, thank you, Robert. I was afraid I'd have to tear this email inbox apart <laughs> because that's a running joke for all the times that his wife, like she's the one like after Goonies stood up and apologized at Backyard Cinema for how it doesn't hold up. <laughs> and so, oh my God. And then we watched Karate Kid one year. And, and then of course that's where the don't talk shit about Top Gun came up originally. Yep. And so I would, I would. I would no, it didn't. It's not always her fault because Robbie has no respect for good things either. If he didn't like he, he didn't see Top Gun as a kid. So he saw as an adult and talk shit about it as he will things that I like sometimes. <laughs> so, um, but so that's what I, when, when he was going to show Karate Kid, it was after the Goonies thing, which I wouldn't, I was going to say fiasco. It wasn't fiasco. We had a really good time watching it. She felt embarrassed. She, she took it back. <laughs> but, but when he was going to show Karate Kid the year after, I was like, you guys cannot talk shit about Karate Kid. I will tear this place apart. <laughs> so, so that comes up all the time now. So that's why I said the thing about afraid I'd have to tear this email inbox apart. <laughs> but then I, this is the reason, real reason I read this because she chimes back in and she goes, sorry, I did make a mistake, but it had to be said. I can't handle whiny Luke. He is a pussy. Period. That was the end of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, oh, but then the bride, these are all conversations we've had. I guess. Yeah. 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 Then the bride chimes in. She's like, I can't wait to watch the fight between Amanda and David. This email chain has unleashed. And then she said, speaking of reasons to tear the place apart, Robbie, will you send me that your top gun quiz? I want to edit it and give it to my top gun loving student to take when I see him on Friday. So part of backyard cinema is he'll come up with these quizzes related yeah. to the movies that are often like these nostalgic movies. I was so glib and confident in my reading of the Top Gun quiz for recently that I missed an important one and thus like other people got higher scores than me. I'll never forgive myself for this. <laughs> like, I was, I don't remember what it was, but it's something I fucking knew and I just didn't read the question clearly enough. I was like, ha ha ha. And I snapped it off and I got it wrong. Shit. But the other the other moral of that or whatever moral, the takeaway is that the bride has a a student who is in his twenties that we simply call Top Gun around the house, so I know who she's talking about. Because this kid's favorite movie is Top Gun. Like it it's amazing. <laughs> uh it gives me hope for the future. Oh man. Anyway. But yeah, so we watch Star Wars movies. And then at night I watched horror movies. Uh I watched Fright Night. This is great. Oh. I never do this. I watch like two movies Fright every night. night. Yeah, the original Fright Night I watched. Oh, never saw it. Such a good one. Very cool. Uh, the next night I watched The Howling um, and The Company of Wolves. I'd always seen that video box art and I knew later it was directed by Neil Jordan. I was intrigued by that. So the video box art is like it's like a human head with like a wolf snout coming out of the mouth. It scarred me as a kid. But I never saw the movie. I never saw either of those movies. 1984? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I did not love that one, actually. <laughs> it wasn't what... I don't know what I expected, oh, yeah. but it wasn't... It was kind of a weird, like, trippy fairy tale type thing. Uh, but The Howling, I did really like. Uh, yeah, The Howling's got E.T.'s mom in it, right? Yeah. Like, D. Wallace is in it. And the... Yeah. 
the werewolf stuff is really cool. Like Rick Baker designed them. And actually he, so in 1981, so Rick Baker designed the werewolves and was supposed to do it, but he left to do American Wolf in London, which came out that year. Oh my God. I can see tank waddling around in the background <laughs> with his like reflective, uh, coat on. Oh no, he, it's a costume costume. Oh, that is adorable. <laughs> Mike Wazowski rip off. <laughs> from all the, like, Tanker. He's just wearing it around the neighborhood? Or is no, it's, prep it's for like Halloween? a hoodie. It's because it's cold. Because <laughs> we keep it cold. <laughs> that is adorable. Handsome. I think <laughs> no, it's odd. It's great. Come here. <laughs> Come here, Handsome. Come here. Oh, my goodness. Hey, buddy. Oh. <laughs> Put that thing back where it came from. So help me get that oh, yeah. thing away from me, you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really likes putting it on. Oh, that's so great. Usually, you know, animals don't want to have that. Oh, cumbersome. I guess she called it out and he like, did the dance, like the treat dance for it. <laughs> oh, <that's great>. oh <laughs> man. But I'm going to go on too long about these movies I watched, but it was, it was fun to see. So in 1981, The Howling came out. And, and yeah. American Werewolf in London and Wolfen. That's kind of what led me to it is Wolf. that Wolfen, which I had heard of, but I was reminded of by seeing the poster in Joker. Like cruising, but Wolfen. Yeah, W O L, like Wolf, but E N on the end. Wow. And so I, I was intrigued. So I definitely started with the Howling. I was the one I, in, in, the one I mentioned, Company of Wolves, I thought about for years, like I should watch those. And so I did. And, um, just today I ordered a great big special edition howling from Shell Factory because I was into it. Um, and uh, yeah, Company Wolves I didn't love as much, but uh, Wolfen uh was pretty cool actually. It was like it's directed by the guy that made Woodstock, and it's set in New York City, and. There are these, you know, murders happening that you you know think are werewolves and stuff that kind of are, but it's it's this like there's like the subplot with or like you think it's this one American Indian guy Edward James almost actually is the who plays him in the movie as a very young man, um, and I don't know I don't want to give too much away but like there's a lot of stuff with them who were the the American Indian guys that work on the bridges building the bridges and there's this insanely like they're up running around on the 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 you know the the bridges in New York City it's like terrifying how they filmed it but it was interesting for me as a werewolf fan um to see basically that 1987 show that I love just called Werewolf that basically had a Rick Baker design monster um between seeing the howling and wolfen wolfen has a ton of like heat vision like perspective of what you think is the werewolf the whole time yeah it's just like i was like oh wow this stuff is like it, it's like as much of the you know joker is basically taxi driver king of comedy joker <laughs> you know 87 werewolf was just like the incredible hulk meets the howling and wolfen you know it's like very transparent but I really enjoyed it. It was nice to see those movies and King of Comedy. I watched at the end. So I was just like yeah. watching a shit ton of movies over the last week or a few days, which was nice. Anyway, big digression towards, like, I was going to do just jump to this like pretty quick. Hopefully. 
Oh, Wait, go ahead, Fright sir. Night, though, can I just say one thing about Fright Night? Oh, like, please. All you like. <laughs> like, so that movie is, it, um, that's one of the horror movies that I didn't, it wasn't one that I went back to a lot growing up, but it really stuck with me. Really? The f- like, a few times that I saw it, just because the, one, it's hopeless. Like, things, the vampire just keeps winning in mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah. Like, you know, throughout the whole thing. Uh, but the best friend is probably one of the most how the best friend gets turned and then yeah. like comes to the house and like has just like the too much teeth for his mouth. Oh and, yeah, it's creepy. Oh, and he and he that actor plays that character perfectly. That best friend scene is so disturbing to me uh, still um yeah i see it in my head it's like the sister from pet cemetery like that's how it oh shit yeah yeah it's funny you mention that because i've been listening to our friends from the pod bros network the john and jeff last year they did this thing called um halloween spooptacular and they're doing it again it's slightly different this year but i i started listening to last year's 30 so it's 31 movies 31 days of october yeah, and they did like Maximum Overdrive. They did Creep Show. They did a bunch of stuff. Monster Squad was in their first one, and uh, but they did uh, Fright Night, and that's kind of what remi- reminded. No, did they? Actually, I'm not super sure if they did. Shit, I feel like though I heard them talk about just that same thing, the best friend. Now I'm yeah. curious. I I want to look it up, but I I won't right now. But what it was actually that led me to actually listen to it was the thing. Um, my Dave's digs for the week is the monster squad documentary, which I was able to see. And after seeing that, I listened to our episode on the monster squad, our, my pet monster slash monster squad, uh, episode, which is, uh, WSD monster. <laughs> Hold on. Look that up. Keep talking. It is. Oh, our episode 46 monster 46, mash yeah. monster squad and my pet monster. Um, so I, uh, I, I listened to that, or actually I kind of watched it on YouTube, like on my phone after, and I, and you, that movie comes up Fright Night and I was like, oh shit, I still haven't seen that. So I, that's actually the reason I watched it over the, <laughs> over the fall break. And I'm really glad I did. I, I really enjoyed it. It was like a very much a modern telling of, of Dracula with like all of the characters, like in the archetypes and, uh. Yeah, it was super fun. Like it probably took me halfway through it to really get into it. I was like, I see why people like this, but I didn't quite lock in. And then eventually, I, I did. And yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really glad I watched it. I, I had a lot of fun watching the, the Van Helsing character, and that is amazing too. I yeah, this, as this like late night horror yeah. show guy, and he's a fraud. Like yeah, he, like is all in if he thinks he can just milk this kid for some money and make him believe, you know, and like then when he realizes like this is all legit, like which I don't think that's something that happens in the real uh Dracula story, like Van Helsing is legitimate the entire time, right? Yeah, like, he doesn't have that thing where he doesn't believe and thus it doesn't work. Yeah. He knows he knows what is happening. He's the one that kind of I, I I feel like in um if the um Keanu Reeves Dracula the the like 90s one if that's accurate to the book like it's pretty close yeah um 
I, he, I feel like Van Helsing's character is the one that injects all the exposition. Like this is, yeah, he is the, how they find out exactly what they're dealing. Exactly. With. He's the only one who knows really what, it, yeah. what they're dealing with. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I like in Fright Night though how the, he's just like this fraud and charlatan essentially uh, a snake oil salesman to this kid until and then he's challenged like he needs to like really like put up or shut up and, and of course you know he does it, it a little bit anyways but yeah he, he never quite yeah embraces it. like he's always a little bit too scared yeah <laughs> to to really help but so. yeah no that was uh it was cool and and um uh it is an interesting idea that idea of no in real life like no one would believe you that there's a vampire hunter except for maybe he thinks like the guy that always played all the characters and also plays a version of that character in the late night host he's like surely this guy will believe me but he doesn't believe me there and yeah it's fun i i was uh <laughs> this is a weird like thing to bring up as well but you know like the so the girlfriend in it is from was on the first seasons of married with children did you watch that yeah. like she was marcy and she did it for the longest time. I couldn't feel like figure out why she was the girl. Like she didn't quite seem right to me until she was the, the vampire herself. Then I was yeah. like, Oh, here's why. Cause like she's doing this really well. And then, yeah. and also like fucking sexy. Like I was not prepared for that. <laughs> like they even have her like, you know, they're like making out and stuff early in the movie, but I was not interested until she became the vampire and she had that like sheer white gown on. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all about Marcy. All of a sudden, I think that was her name on Married with children, but uh, well, her name. Yeah. Yeah. And th so there's a cool thing with that. Cause I started to look into, um, you know, once, you know, I was like, Oh great. I got to get all these DVDs <laughs> for all the extras, but fright night, I guess they didn't initially have any kind of extras for that movie. And so I um, wish I remembered where, but you can find out easily on the internet. Like basically they did a, like what they called a pirate commentary. And it was like the director. It was the Chris um, Sarandon who played the main vampire and uh, maybe just those two, but they did some like, and they did a kind of like, you know, okay, get your menu screen to here. And now hit play. <laughs> um, I had like a version of James Obar sold that for the crow for a while. Wow. Through his website. But ultimately, when it did come out as a special edition Blu-ray, whoever did put it out used that commentary track. <laughs> That's <laughs> so it's, awesome. It's kind of neat, like fan thing. Okay. Speaking of fan things, it's taken me forever to get to it, but I, I do want to make sure to mention it because it is the yeah. season. It is something we've talked about. Um, when we did our episode 46 on Monster Squad, or Long Walk Short Drink Remembers Monster Squad, and my pet monster. Um, I wasn't aware of it, but we soon found out that like the Andre Gower and Ryan Lambert from the movie monster squad were doing a podcast called squad cast. And they were basically leading up to this like tour that they did for the would have been the 30th anniversary of the release. And they went around and had all these revival screenings and they filmed it and it became the basis of this documentary called Wolfman's got nards, which is my Dave's digs of the week of the week of the, of <laughs> this episode. Oh God. Now get ready. We're going to play some rock and roll. It's alive, it's alive. I have been expecting that. This bad guy. Can we go please? No, I'm enjoying it. What are you? 
Batman. He's a grumpy bastard. Yeah, I'm a grumpy bastard. <laughs> What's going on? Punchy, tell me a story. What do you mean? This some punk. I don't need you. Don't think. Feel. One time, Daniel, sir. Talk hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Are you ready? No, Jerry Jones, I I got a chance to see this documentary, which is not like it. It's just been in the sort of the festival circuit and now they're doing it. Actually, the tour wraps up the day before this episode comes out, but they've been going around to Alamo draft houses and showing it. And uh, this is the first time at my local Alamo draft house that they had a live Q and a. And so Andre Gower and the, the, his director, his producing partner, Henry uh, McComas uh, were there to talk about it a little. And then they showed, so I bought my tickets just knowing that. And then, um, then they ultimately programmed to follow it, uh, monster squad on the big screen, which at first I wasn't going to go to, cause it's, you know, it's a little dry for me and stuff, but I did. I'm really glad I did. I was so cool to see that movie, you know, writ large. I, I, I couldn't tell you what, but I did see some st- like notice things I hadn't noticed getting to see it that big. And, it was very fun to see it after this documentary that it's basically about, I mean, it's both about the making. It's not like a making of that movie. There's a great DVD yeah. for that, that really came from like a fan outcry for it ultimately, like in around the 20th anniversary. Cause basically like they made this movie. Well, okay. Sorry. I'm all over the place. I got to see this documentary. Sadly, our listeners cannot watch it, but I, I know that there's a trailer online that I thought because it's the only thing that exists, maybe it'd be good for us to watch. I, I don't have a ton to say about it other than it's really good, <laughs> but I think to get a taste of it, maybe we watch this together and I think they'll tell the story of it in the trailer essentially. Why can't we see this? Is it because they use well, like copyrighted stuff? So no, I, I actually think so. I think the reason why we, I think we will eventually be able to, people will be able oh, okay. to watch it okay. digitally or purchase it. But for like the last year or more, they were just going on the festival circuit. And now that they took it on this tour, like I pl- paid, you know, like double the normal ticket or whatever. And I think so that they kind of travel around with it and they can make this extra money. Yeah, you know, from showing it in this way and meet the fans like you'll see in the preview here. I hope a lot of it is about like fan culture in general and just like what cult movies mean to the people who hold them dear. Um, So it makes sense to me that they're kind of taking it around in this way and holding off in any kind of um, more private home viewing experience. I'm sure that will follow at a certain point, but it's already been like almost two years. So Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Not quite two years, about a year and a half. Oh, Anyway, but um, so right, I don't well, know where people can see it now, but we this trailer's online. We can all enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Uh, okay. You are you have yours up? I do. All right, on three and three. It's just something that I've always known. I can always go back to it. It's helped me through some really hard times. That emotional comfort of coming home. That safe net when I didn't feel safe. It takes me back to my childhood every single time. It's like hearing that great rock song when you get your first kiss or something. You always are going to remember it. How many of you had never seen Monster Squad before tonight? You're welcome. The seed for the movie was, I want to do the Little Rascals meet the Universal Monsters. Scaring the hell out of kids seemed like a great idea, and then the laughs played against that. It was a crazy time. Everything happened very fast. 
This is probably the biggest thing I'm ever gonna do. I didn't know that this would be such a formative beginning. When Dracula lifted her up, he hissed at me. I didn't have a lot of work to do because she was actually terrified. But on opening night, when we went to all the theaters that it was playing in. I will not forget that. It was a huge hit. And by it, I mean the Lost Boys. There was seven or eight people in the theater. And then it disappeared. I never oh got my the gosh, sense it's him with that the beard. this movie was finding a new audience or that its original audience were enjoying it again. The first time I ever saw Monster Squad. I was at a sleepover party at a friend of mine. It was on HBO. Every time we go to the video store, that's what I'd rent. I even had a bootleg DVD. The word got out. Everything we had seen up till then had all been kid stuff, and this was the first taste of something dangerous. These kids are real kids. We were a part of the squad. We went to school with them, and we are them. This movie resonates. They put up the ticket saying Monster Squad Reunion. It sold out real fast. Wait, you know this movie? I did try to start my own Monster Squad. We never actually performed any jobs. You find wow. lifelong friends because you have this one weird thing in common that nobody else knows about. This is a zine I did. It's called I Had Rudy. Wow. What a really pleasant surprise that this seed that we planted grew into something. It's like shooting a basket in 1987 and then it doesn't go in until 20 years later. Wow. Yeah. So that gives a really good sense of it. Um, yeah, no, that looks great. You see like Shane Black in there. You see Fred Decker, the director, and Ryan Lambert, who plays Rudy. You see, oh, I forget her name, but she plays Phoebe. Um, and then, of course, you see Andre Gower. Dracula. Yeah, the guy who plays Dracula is there. Um, and there's other, like, there's f- filmmakers who've made um, horror movies. Uh, one of the most notable ones is the guy that created the Goldbergs is on there. <laughs> and, oh, like, yeah, I guess it's yeah. one of his. I don't think he's in the trailer, but he he. Uh, there's this whole thing about how he, um, you know, he loves the movie, and you hear through the Goldbergs often the word Nards, and he's like, "That's totally for Monster Squad." And there's like this montage of people <laughs> saying Nards in the Goldbergs. But uh, oh, that's yeah, awesome. it was really, it was just really sweet, and a lot of it has to do with like, I mean, there, I. Uh, there's um I'm looking at some of the other people that appear. So like Seth Green is in there talking about uh you know um cult movies. So Heather uh Langenkamp who's from the Nightmare on Elm Street uh franchise, she's pictured with uh Chuck Russell, the director, and they're talking <laughs> about like cult movies and they're trying to decide like what is a cult movie? Is this one um Ashley Bank is the is the actress who played uh, Phoebe. Um, anyway, it's, um, it's just kind of everything I'd hoped it would be. It was really nice to see it in that context with a bunch of other people. I sat next to a guy who had a a monster squad poster that he brought to have signed. Um, there was a, a surprising amount of like tears. You see the opening of this trailer, like people are crying and saying this movie meant so much to me and all this there, there's that stuff, but there's also this, there's section where they talk about, um, the guy who played Horace, Brent, I don't know how to say his name, Chalem, C-H-A-L-E-M, is how you spell it. But he died of pneumonia like in, I don't know, 1999 or 2000, somewhere around that time, like some complications with with pneumonia. And uh, 
they're just talking about like how he would love this and how it's so sad that he's not here. And um, all of that super moving. They show stuff with his family. They they show like he met like who I don't know if he got married to this person or if it was just his girlfriend. But uh, she talked about like being in a situation with him in which like somebody called him fat and he left like crying. And then to have him have this moment in the movie where he's like the name is Horace is like so yeah, great to yeah. see and all this and um. There's this other thing too, where like Ryan Lambert, like if you listen to that podcast, as I started to like, he's got a kind of a sense of humor that can like, I, I kind of liked him less, honestly, just from listening to the podcast. Yeah. I, he was not especially endearing to me. Um, but in this movie, he was like, they show some stuff where he was going to like see the movie, like in 35 millimeter. And he was just so like excited to see 35 millimeter film and all of the interviews and stuff with him were just a different kind of character than the sort of acerbic podcast thing where he's just drinking with his buddy, Andre. Um, right. But there's this moment in the tour where they went around to all these other. So it was an Alamo, Alamo draft house tour in 2017 where they taped a lot of this, um, or meeting the fans and whatnot. And, uh, they're talking about uh, this guy, Brent. And it's, there's this like moment caught on camera that you can tell is completely genuine because they barely caught it. And it's like, they're over the shoulder shooting towards the audience and they were kind of going on and, Andre was sort of passing the mic off to Ryan and he couldn't speak. He goes, he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Can you just move on real quick? I'm really just having a hard time dealing with the thing about Brent. It was, it was just heartbreaking. Like, cause he was like, you could tell like it was not him like putting on a performance. So you would just thought like, you could tell he was like really moved. So it was crazy. Like the number of times, like I, the guy with the poster next to me, was like, I could see him wipe like the tears off his eyes oh. several times during it. He's like this tatted up dude. Anyway, it was so, so nice, the whole thing. And that's uh, awesome. they barely left any time for anybody to ask questions from the audience. And I normally wouldn't, but I don't know. It didn't seem like anyone else would. Like there was this one guy that walked in. Like you get a certain type of a Monster Squad fan. You can, there's a little bit of a profile, at least. And like, that's a kind of a person who likes what they like, like kind of nerdy people. Yeah. <laughs> like nerdy yeah, yeah. In their, like interest, not like you know, horn room glasses or something. And I kept myself proudly among them. I was there in my Stephen King rules t-shirt that I bought from the squad cast like store. <laughs> uh, but there's a dude that walked in who's obvious. I don't know if I say he's like on the spectrum, but he was kind of oddly just like looking caught clocked me. I had like a jean jacket over it, but he saw it underneath. He's like, okay, yeah, there's this many people with this shirt. And like, he's just saying that to himself and then goes and sits down. And then after the you know, uh, movie and the little Q and a that they were doing. Like he asked about other wardrobe that Andre might've been able to keep. But then I asked the question that I wanted a genuine answer to. And I don't think there was really time to, to give it, nor did I, do I think Andre who is the director. So the guy that plays Sean leader of the monster squad is a director of this documentary. And so I asked him, because I have a concern about this is like, how was it for you? How did you approach being the director of a documentary in which you were one of the key subjects? <laughs> because listener to our podcast might know that I have some experience with that. And uh, he didn't have a great, like, I don't think he thought about it, but they had just talked about like how Fred Decker, the director of monster squad was super reluctant to appear on camera for this to talk about monster squad. So I wondered, you know, was Andre reluctant? did they say save his interview, his on-screen interview for the very end to fill in the holes that they might've needed right. narratively anyway. So he, he said something to the effect of like being like, there's way too much of me in this already, but 
the producing gut partners th- thought that it was really important that he he be a part of the story and not because it was just going to be all audience talking about it. But I yeah. I think it's really strong that he is the central figure because he's the central figure in the movie. It's kind of cool that you know that people are talking to him like the interview are speaking to him Sean who was Sean Andre who was Sean in the movie and part of the whole thing and experienced this kind of resurgence after like you know for all they knew like it was 20 years of failure you know so like Rudy talks about uh, the character Ryan Lambert talks about he's like I didn't tell anybody about this after this was over I didn't tell girlfriends about it I was just like you know it was this black hole in my sort of experience that I was kind of ashamed of but Anyway, I was really pleased to get the chance to see it, and I'm so glad you that they interact Alamo. with them. And like, yeah, that was cool. I didn't get anything awesome. signed. I'm too shy for yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, it was awesome to be able to see that, and then get to see the movie on the big screen. Man. Yeah. Awesome. Again, I wish you lived closer. You'd have gotten a kick out of it, <laughs> but it'd have been yeah. an expensive <laughs> ticket <laughs> after the Goonies. This was my Goonies. Um, the Goonies is my Goonies now, but <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, I, be- I'm a big fan of of Monster Squad, so I don't want to forget to mention there was one mention of Goonies in it. Like one of this this one collector guy goes like, I could, I could talk about Goonies, <laughs> and and Andre, who's like the interviewer, he's like, that's it. Uh, sorry, we're out of here. <laughs> he's like shuts it down. It's kind of like a, it's a joke, but it's, <laughs> a joke. Yeah, it's yeah. All yeah. that Goonies yeah. is mentioned. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. But they do mention like, so Shane Black, you know, the writer of Lethal Weapon, all that, as we talk about in episode 46, the, the, he was roommates with Fred Decker at the time. And they kind of wrote this together. But he said that like, he, after this, he finished Lethal Weapon. He's like, Lethal Weapon got sold so fast that it actually came out, you know, as a movie before Monster Squad did. Wow. Um, and he's like, it would have been a whole different world if it could have been marketed as, you know, from the writer of Lethal Weapon and, Anyway, it was just delightful. And so if you're a fan of it, of, of Monster Squad, um, definitely seek out this documentary when it is available. I'm sure that will happen sometime in the yeah, semi-near future. I, I'm, I'm interested to see that for sure. Um, yeah. Probably the next time I'm, I'm in Minnesota and we're looking through your media collection <laughs> yeah. for something to watch. Yeah. Like that's how much time it'll take for me to get back out there again. Probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah, uh, I hope there's a physical media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. It's got a cool poster, like on the the website for the documentary is called is the squaddoc.com. and the, it's like an old VHS kind of vibe. But yeah, awesome. so that's my that's my Dave's digs for the episode. <laughs> Did you have anything of the sort? Do you have a Palmer's pleasure or the like? Um. Not really at the moment that I can think of. I uh, I'm just kind of been plugging along. I um, yeah, no, I don't have I don't have anything. I'm like this much closer to speaking of Monster Squad uh, and asking me Palmer's pleasures. I guess I'm this much closer to maybe procuring one of those. Monster Bash. Oh, very nice. Um, so Ooh, that would be that would be wicked. Pretty sweet. Super. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll keep you posted on that. We'll see what the, how things develop. Very cool, for sure. Well, you want to go out in a king corner? 
Yeah, I mean, I, and as much as this is a King Corner reaction, I mean, we really are just going to... Yeah, this is a I, small I, one. After our mammoth king-size King Corner, this is a real dislike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, let me bring up the that... Come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. So, yeah, this is the... They dropped a trailer for the new season of castle rock which will come out which will begin at least on october 23rd which is i, I believe when this episode we're recording is scheduled to drop and, did, and you were the one i think that told me like the tagline the teaser before this trailer dropped the only thing that had come out was like something that and it said and the tagline was misery comes to castle rock right oh i i don't even did remember you, that maybe that wasn't me or and the intention was like like sorrow comes to Castle Rock, right? Yeah. Like that. But unless you know Stephen King. So let's watch this. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's go on three. On three and three. We're searchers, you and me. But you deserve a chance to make a place in the world. See, I'm a searcher who just wants to settle. Wants it bad. Just can't seem to find that place that'll live up to you, my perfection. You want to tell me what you're doing in this place? Well, that's a fine thing to say to a customer. A customer who has brought the host of problems to my town, which already has enough problems. You don't know a cock-a-duty thing about us. is not a good place. We're running from something, aren't we? I will always do anything to keep you safe. People around here, they forget. They forget the past. It's written in blood. I'm warning you. Something bad is coming. You listen to me now. People in places like this try to make you one of them. So they can use you and throw you away. But I won't let them. It'll be blood on Christmas before I let them. That's the story, soup to nuts. Holy shit. Shit. (laughs) Oh my God. Wait, wait, what's on the only after? Did they come back to it? Oh, I don't know. No, okay. Oh my gosh. Oh, I saw the Marsden house in Jerusalem's lot. I saw... Andy Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins was the first thing because that's when I I didn't He's actually fucking, see this. He was he was Andy Dufresne. I know it's so oh, great, just like with Sissy Spacek. Gosh, they take. I like, love this uh, like Sissy Spacek, like 
was Carrie, and then he's Andy Dufresne, uh, and Shawshank's in the town of yes. Castle Rock. Yeah, which they Fuck. show the prison again, but obviously it's not set in the prison this time. And Annie Wilkes is in there. So that is meant is, to be the same Annie Wilkes of Misery, just a different yeah. actress playing her, Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, and a daughter, which obviously, like, Annie Wilkes didn't have a daughter in the Misery, in, in the book Misery, so... Yeah. Or I, the movie. Um, I've been kind of impatiently moving towards that, but when I got that Stephen King, uh, like, when I looked at that list, I was like, shit... I didn't feel comfortable skipping ahead yeah. <laughs> at this time. And I'm guessing this won't necessarily spoil that other than probably a little bit of the nature of her character or something. But, but if you've already seen the movie, I mean, you know, I haven't, that was That's, a good, Oh, you haven't. No. Oh. Yeah. It was another, just that whole thing. Oh, I didn't, man. I didn't that is like, Oh, that is a perfect horror movie. Like, Oh, um, boy, that was, yeah, it was, I, I was, I saw enough to see Tim Robbins in the preview and I was like, yeah. oh, and I was, then I thought better to wait and yeah. watch it with you, but that's exciting. Yeah. Good, good things on the horizon there, man. Hell of a time to be a Stephen King fan. Yep. We keep saying it and it just keeps getting better. So <laughs> no. yeah. then we get, then we get like the DC villain treatment yeah. and <laughs> Oh man, it's a hell of a time to be a nerd. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh and you know what? I we definitely don't have time to talk about it. But the other thing I realized we hadn't talked about was Stranger Things season three. <laughs> um, oh, did you finish it? I did finish it. Yeah. And I mean, the big thing. So, just anyone listening, you know, the main spoiler, the main thing. I just need to say out loud to Palmer's like, I can't fucking believe that Hopper's. I mean, do you think Hopper's dead? No. That's what the bride says too. I uh, think he's that when they're like get the American. Oh, I think he got stuck to like in that last shot over in the Russian where they're doing their same version of the experiment. Yeah, and they say get the American. I think they pulled him out. I think okay. he got like. I would love that. I thought it was the I, guy. Um, I can't remember the dude that speaks German. That's who I thought they were talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I guess is what we're supposed to like think it's yeah. one or the other. So I don't know. I don't, I, 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 I don't know. I think there, I think the next season there's going to be a time jump because they can't, those kids have aged so much. That yeah. There's no way that they can. I mean, Finn Wolfhard doesn't even look like the same kid. He just, oh. there's a, there's a horror movie coming out with him in it uh, soon or hmm. next year. Or uh, I'll have to see if I can find the trailer for that and I'll send it to you. But he looks like he's starting to look like a grown-up. Like, he can't play a middle schooler anymore, you know? Yeah. So I think they're setting up a time jump, like, so that there's going to be a gap, you know? Uh, but uh, I I thought the Russian thing was a little... I thought it was funny in the first two seasons that they kept blaming the Russians for stuff. Like, oh, see, because that's just, like, that. a part of the 80s yeah. that, like, you, I don't, I don't remember from the eighties. I don't remember this like cold war. I remember my mom crying when the Berlin wall came down and I remember Gorbachev, but I don't remember like communism and communists and <clears throat> 
being this prevalent part of America, but then like for it to come to fruition and they're an actual part of it. I thought that was a little, I don't know how I felt about it, but it worked for me. in as much as like how I remembered that outside of what you mentioned is like mostly in movies and somewhat after the fact, realizing all that, like the Rocky four, I never saw Red yeah. Dawn, but like, a, um, I sort of sensed that stuff, e- even just like in my weird nerdiness of like watching all Michelle Pfeiffer's movies, like the Russia house came out in like early nineties. Like Russia was, yeah, there was a lot of that, uh, in, in the air, but it w- it wasn't like, you know, you were, I don't remember some sort of fear of Russia or Russians, yeah. uh, like actual fear for, for myself. But, uh, yeah. Oh, it was such a fun. Like I was so annoyed by the kids, <laughs> like or really just Mike. <laughs> I was just annoyed by Mike the first most of the show. But other than that, I just I just loved the shit out of it. It was so much no, fun. No, it's still still so good. That like creature design, how it like kind of just absorbs oh, things and like sets me so much. <laughs> it's oh my worst man. fucking nightmare. Yeah, like <laughs> I literally covered my eyes through so much of that. Yeah. <laughs> it was so gross. So, but I'm worried that Hopper could be dead because of how much they just did like all the best stuff. Like they just yeah. let him do the coolest stuff, wear the coolest stuff, say the coolest stuff. And I could see us not seeing him again, but I, man, I hope that's not the case. Yeah. I just love that. He was like super chubby. Yeah. And, like just yeah. like smoked all the time. but was still like the perfect hero and like, oh man, he's so good. So, so good in that yeah, role. I can't imagine anyone else playing that character. No. And and I feel like... it. I feel all of them really have found their characters. Like, even Winona Ryder is, like, so perfect in her character now. Like, I felt, like, season one, it was a little overact. She felt seemed a little forced. But like now it's like totally viable and like you feel so bad for her for like missing Ted and uh that's that was Sean Austin's oh. character's name, right? Like the, Oh, I feel like it was a different name, but I could be wrong. I, I maybe it's remember. not Ted. We, we I should. don't know. Anyways, I, I like yes, yeah, season three was it was good. It was not season two for it was not season two good for me. I think oh. season two was like so fucking awesome. Um, but this one is still, it's still totally worth it. I'm still totally invested in that universe. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where they go with season four now. Yeah, me too. Me too. I can't get enough. I'm so glad they kept the Dustin, um, Steve thing alive. Yeah. I really enjoyed, um, Maya Hawk's character. Is that her name? The what's her name in the show? But she's Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman's daughter. Yeah. The bride got instantly she heard her voice and she's like and she looked her up and she i can't remember she said it aloud or before it was insane how quickly she decided that i was like are you fucking kidding you just got it from her voice through you like i think what she did was she she didn't know the ethan hawk part she knew she's like that sounds like uma thurman's daughter and it was (laughs) what as soon as you know that like as soon as you know that about her you sense it but that character is so delightful I was just that one dude that plays the guy that can speak Russian. I wish I could remember the character's name. I usually, he always plays an asshole like in stuff. He never plays like a oh, nice that, guy. He's like a, he, he's like a comedian. Is he? Yeah. Shit. <clears throat> I don't know his name. Um, 
but I loved him in this. I, I love that character. Like, I, I, you know, you know, you're meant to, but he is sort of prickly. Oh man. It was uh, the Bob. one that's like Bob off the, the grid who the conspiracy theorist, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I, just I remembered, loved him. I think Bob was the name of Sean Aston's character. Oh, Bob. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just such a delightful show. I, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to go on forever. <laughs> the it's bride so good. thought that season, her prediction for season four, I think also a time jump, but she thought that they would have to recruit or join forces with the other, the people that Eleven met that also have powers that it's not going to yeah. be enough for her to fight it on her own. And that, yeah, bring because that's definitely back. an arch that they started that kind of just fell off the map in season three. Like yeah. they didn't even revisit it or acknowledge it. Yeah. Uh, just like a bottle. Well, yeah, it was like a bottle episode. Well, they sort of introduced them at the very beginning. She goes off at a certain point and there's like one episode that's all with them. And then that was it. Oh yeah. 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 I think that's right. Maybe, maybe it's a little more than one episode. I can't remember, but hmm. I mean, I didn't love that, but it does make sense at this point that she can't be the only supernaturally powered person to fight the right. thing. Um, but I love that it ended in a video store. <laughs> that was yep. great. Um, yeah. Anyway, here we are talking about it, but anyway, it's, it's late. Thank you for, um, man, thank you for that Joker theory. <laughs> I, uh, uh, will make me see it differently from now on forevermore, really. <laughs> oh, no. Don't let it do that. No, in a good De- way, though. In a okay. Good way. Yeah. You should just go see it again and, like, see what your take is on it, you know? Like, poke fucking holes in all through that shit. I, I like... It's probably all there. I think that I could totally see that being intentional, both what you got out of it, but that it could maybe be the other thing as well because with the Joker, you're not necessarily supposed to know. I mean, I love that too. Like ultimately he was adopted. So we still don't really know where or he came was from. he because he had that picture in like of his mom and on the back of it, it said, love your smile TW Thomas Wayne. So oh. like there's like something there. She has something uh, like a token with his, with a flirty thing on it. And the mom just keeps sticking to this story. Like Thomas Wayne is making all of that up. Like, Oh yeah. Because he made me sign those papers. Like that, like we, it, it's exactly what a crazy person would say, but it's also exactly what a rich person would do to make all this go away. Right. Like, Oh, somebody with as much power as Thomas Wayne has, who's kind of like this, assholey portrayal of Thomas Wayne, you know, like (laughs) or accurate portrayal of Thomas Wayne, like yeah, yeah uh, or filtered through Arthur's perception like if his mom was feeding him this psychosis, you know, like yeah, and it was all after the fact you know, in the insane asylum where he had that that interaction with him building this thing up, you know oh pretty cool. I don't like, know. I, there's a lot of movies now and I don't know, like you see stuff it doesn't really stick with you. That, that was a that's a movie that will stick with me um yeah. because of the way that it was pulled off. Yeah, I would definitely recommend going and seeing it a second time. It was totally different that second time. Yeah. I don't know if I'll make it in the theater, but you can bet I'll I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We, Ash even said she's like that we're going to own that movie. She so. said that? That's yeah. astounding yeah. to me. She's like, it's not like I'm going to watch it every day. Holy! But cow. she's like, that's going to be one that I could see like 
just periodically just getting the urge that I needed to watch it and wanting to watch it. Wow, that's wicked. Yeah. That's yeah. a pretty cool endorsement for just checking it out, I think. Yeah. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing she'd be that into. But yeah. maybe uh Well, and I think any good art should impact you. You should carry it with you for a little while, right? Like yeah. even beyond your consumption of it. Right. And, yeah. And and the, uh, this one is definitely one of those for that. So You know what else we'll have to touch on next time is the Zombieland sequel. Yeah. That I, looks so fun. It looks so perfectly fun. And I don't know if your trailer did it, but my trailer did it. And I laughed out loud, like obnoxious, like Joker laughed out loud <laughs> from this movie when they were like Academy Award nominee. Oh, yeah. And like, all of them have either been nominated and or won an Oscar, the four leads in this movie. Yeah. And they totally they gratuitously cash in on that in this trailer. <laughs> yeah. Like ironically cash in on that in this yeah. trailer. Because like while they're saying that it's cutting them doing these outrageous things with zombies. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Like, oh, I I thought I was like, this is a movie that knows exactly one, what it is, and two, who its audience is. Yeah. Yeah. And just it's this perfect thing. I I, I really hope they're able to pull that off. Like, um, that it's more it, it's just as good as that trailer makes it look. Yeah, the trailer was really fun. I love that piece at the end where it was like the kind of similar characters archetypes between the Woody Harrelson character and and the uh, oh, I'm forgetting his name. I'm looking right Jesse Eisenberg. But it was like they, they climb out of it like the he's like whoa a little Elvis and it's like Luke Wilson I think <laughs> and then the other dude was kind of like a Jesse Eisenberg type and then like the two did you see that part? Was that no. the trailer you saw? Oh, I won't spoil it. Never mind. It's okay. really, really, I don't know. Maybe it's on the trailer online, but it, oh, it so uh, fun. And I actually don't, I only saw that movie once, I believe with you in Cleveland when I lived yeah. there. I'm not sure like if you came I was up in there when that came out and I really yeah. dug it. So I, so I, I remember watching it with you better than I remember the movie itself. And so, uh, yeah, the bride and I were really charmed by the trailer and I think we'll, we'll rewatch that together. And, and yeah, uh, Oh, and you know what else we're going? There's <laughs> so many things. Tomorrow, actually, we're going to like a Fathom event screening of uh, of the new Jay and Silent Bob movie. Yes, that's I guess a, it's a tomorrow, double feature. That's on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, and so that should be really fun. And that's the only time. That's the only way it's going in the theater, right? I, what I have heard said is that after that, like, basically, it, it's actually staggered by the market. I don't know how true this is if it's actually come to pass like they planned it, but there would be one of those events and then maybe like the following weekend or whatever, it would come out as more of a traditional release. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if all that's true, but uh, the main thing from that that I'm so charmed by and there's a great like story behind stuff as this is such a silly thing to be excited about, but like Affleck's in it. And they're like buddies again. Like Affleck just, they yeah. just got their hands in the cement. Affleck was the guy to like uh, induct the, you know, give the opening speech. He's like, I love these guys so much. I just really enjoyed 
that I enjoyed the dynamic of that friendship so much yeah. from like commentaries and stuff. It really bummed me out for all these years that they just weren't friends and there was some sort of animosity and it, it got resolved basically just in time. Like he filmed his part in this episode or in that in Jane Silent Bob reboot on the last day of production, like whatever the reconciliation happened during production Man. and he came down and, I don't know. And that was in, and you told that story or, or relayed that story basically. Like it was just somebody like, just oh, did I tell, I'm sorry. Him. I didn't remember. I told you that. Yeah. It, like uh, somebody was like, did, have you just tried reaching out to him? Like, yeah. Didn't somebody ask him that? Somebody, ask yeah. Kevin Smith yeah. That. It was like and some interview so, that led to it. And so then he did. He just did that. He just <laughs> yeah. like sent a text. That's and, crazy. And now, too, based on that kind of uh, like Kevin Smith took that and took that approach perhaps with, Jeff Anderson, who was the reason why Clerks Three hasn't happened, yeah. And I guess that is happening now. Like, oh, really? Yeah, and it's a different script. Oh. They did some sort of reading recently, and uh, to save the little playhouse where they held auditions for in New Jersey, where they did a reading of this script that'll never be produced. And at that time, it was never going to be produced because the movie was not going to happen because the implication is Jeff Anderson wouldn't do it. Um. But now I guess he rewrote it like a new version of it. And uh, anyway, yeah, but that's, just, I don't know. I just so nice to see these people. Like, I just like the idea that yeah. they are friends, you know? And well, I mean, they definitely are a very clicky group of people. You know what I mean? And he built this gr network of friends that, was from childhood that he yeah. kind of just like ushered into this with him and collected more friends that became just as buzzy along the way. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to think about that. I forgot that that was tomorrow because it was advertised in the last time I went to, when I went to Joker the last time. Oh, really? Okay. Cool. They advertised that. Yeah. Oh, because I would love to see that. It's a double feature, which the bride is not thrilled about. But I, I didn't even know that when I bought them. What's like the that, double feature with? It's like the first movie, like the Jay and Silent Bob Strike oh, Back. Shit. And because yeah. I guess it, it is kind of a rehash of that movie, you know, yeah. knowingly and for fun. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so much fun stuff. Uh, it's a great man. time to be a nerd. <laughs> it is a great time to be a nerd. <laughs> that being said, though, this nerd has to go to bed. Yes, so. indeed. All right, it was man. super fun. It was nice yep. to catch up with you as always. Absolutely, um, sir. People, uh, send us send us your Joker theories. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at long or at LWSD pod. And likewise, you can write to us LWSD pod at gmail.com. At gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. um, if you want to. <laughs> Good Lord. It's your podcast, <laughs> I man. It's your I don't podcast. know why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can head over to our YouTube channel where you can see some of our old episodes uh, with uh, see what we look like in those as well as <laughs> yeah. uh, see uh, a still frame for this, I'm sure, this episode. Um, yeah, those promo photos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally surfacing. Uh, you can also head to audibletrial.com slash LWSD um, and start your free audible trial and download your first free audiobook on us. Um, other than that, I think I'm Palmer signing off. I'm Dave signing off. All right, buddy. 
Thanks so much. This has been great. I'm looking forward to talking Dr. Sleep with you next time. Absolutely. And I'll watch that Shining mini series as well. Yeah, I'm going to try to, I'll try to consume some of that stuff. Yeah, uh, if you want. ready for that. Yeah. I look forward. Sorry, I have to start to pour my own. We're going to start all over again. And hour four. I went into cheers. Cheers, long walkers. (laughs) Yeah, cheers, long walkers. See you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Take care. I do not believe that one should devote his life to morbid self-attention.